lamentar o que passou, passou Eu vou embora, meu tempo acabou Tem muita coisa para descobrir Eu sinto muito, mas tenho que ir Vou pro mundo porque nada mais me prende aqui É o final do show e não fique magoada porque vou partir É só o jeito que eu sou Tchim, lá Vem meu trem, vem meu trem Tô saindo fora porque agora vou me dar bem Tchim, lá Vem meu trem, vem meu trem Sei que tá na hora e eu vou me dar bem Sempre em frente Enquanto a vida assim permitir Só vou procurar fazer amigos do bem Quem precisar ajudar também E agora a liberdade e o horizonte E só você não sacou Nova York, Ipanema ou Hong Kong É por aí que eu tô Tchim, lá Vem meu trem Vem meu trem Tô saindo fora porque agora eu vou me dar bem Tchim, lá Vem meu trem Vem meu trem Sei que tá na hora e eu vou andar bem Sempre em frente Nunca pra trás Livre eu me sinto Sublime Gente, mais gente O sol e o mar azul Tchim, lá Vem meu trem, vem meu trem Tô saindo fora porque eu vou me dar bem Tchim, lá Vem meu trem, vem meu trem Sei que tá na hora e eu vou me dar bem Sempre em frente Nunca pra trás Sempre em frente Nunca pra trás Oh For all of you out there who don't speak Portuguese, that was my man Seu Jorge singing a cover in Portuguese of, uh, yeah, David Bowie's Ch-ch-ch-ch-changes. They are coming. We're going to talk about them tonight. I am your host, Kaizen. This is a show called Black Sky Legion, episode number 97. 
for the week of September the today, 17th. Yeah, that's it. I know what I'm doing. Uh, I hope that you are ready for a good time. I'm drinking a Gaffelkolsch, which is a very special beer that, like, they have some kind of weird protective laws in Germany that says you can only brew it in the city limits of Cologne, and you have to follow all kinds of crazy rules. They have these purity laws of, uh, I know that's scary, but stick with me. It's just about, like, the water and the ingredients they, they use going back to 15, the year of 1516 crazy shit but it is good uh let's introduce the crew and bring everybody in on this conversation let's start off with my main man tweet say hi to the beautiful people hello everybody friday night is upon us again we got some things to talk about in in the space games that we all love and hate and hate to love uh, hope we're gonna have some fun tonight oh yeah also we've got the one of a kind, Wolf Dragon. Say hi, Wolf. Hey, hey, everyone. Glad you could make it to the show. Absolutely. As soon as Kai fixes the B-roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I hit the button already. I don't know why it's not doing what it... Oh, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Is it just delayed on YouTube? Maybe. Whatever. All right. Um, Just popped up now. There you go. All right. Uh, let me ask, uh, uh, Tweak, what are you drinking tonight, brother? Tonight, I am just drinking some regular old-fashioned chocolate orange-flavored coffee. Okay. Sans the alcohol. All right. Sounds nice. Sounds nice. And what about you, Wolf? Wolf? I've got some old money, 6 and 20 on the rocks, and I totally was not muted for that part. Not at all. Everyone take a drink. And we also have the lovely, the talented, the back to being combative, Katie Byrne! <laughs> combative, hello everybody, it is a delight as always to be here. Um, the weekend has landed, to quote a very specific 90s British film, and uh, I am very excited to get the show going. We, we, and what are you drinking tonight, Katie? I am drinking a 2020... <laughs> Yellowtail Merlot, which, by the way, is my mum's favorite wine. Very nice, very nice. I think I, I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna eventually, one of these days, we're gonna get Katie to do the intro. It's the freaking weekend, baby, and I'm ready to roll. <laughs> we gotta get her. We gotta, yeah, we gotta it's get a that. Deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when I said the combative, I, I, I heard a little rumor that you went back to shooting people and whatnot in your piracy ways in Star I... Citizen. Oh, I've got a lot to talk about with, Ooh, with, um, with that. Wait. Yeah, there was some there was some real fun happenings this week in regards to being quite bad in Star Citizen. She's not bad. <laughs> She's just drawn that way. <laughs> and we also have our special guest tonight. We've got in the house two of our Star Citizen producers. I want to take a moment and um, give a shout out to our entire team. We've got. Uh, uh, Chad Lozon, who's here with us tonight. We've got Elix, who's here with us tonight. We've got uh, uh, Lady Raincloud. Am I forgetting something? I think it was we have three active producers right now. Did I forget somebody? If so, I feel horrible. It's just the three right now. Yes, it's the three. So, just to peel back the curtain a little bit and, and to let you guys know, um, 
you know, Lady Rain, who we had with us uh, two weeks ago, uh, is, is you know one of one of the the people, and then the two guys that are with us tonight are are the other two that. We have a private channel. These guys do research and are constantly looking for stuff or letting us know stuff and, and kind of pointing out things. And then there'll be a thing I'll say, hey, I, I think we should discuss this on the show. And they'll be like, well, okay, yeah, we should discuss it, but let's address the 12 things you had wrong in your premise and let's sort of correct them and get them right so you, you can look dumb in a small room of people but not in front of, like, lots of people. So, like, these people literally make the show they make it not bad um so i i we we are gonna have them on from time to time to come in and talk about different things or whatever but i just want to take a moment to salute the fact that now that we've had all of our star citizen researchers and, and segment producers uh, on the show as of tonight with these two guests um like i want to say thank you to all three of you for the work that you guys are doing with regard to, you know, keeping us up to date and keeping us sort of corrected on things. And, and a lot of times it's not even so much about correcting us as sort of providing important context to things where a change will happen or something will come up and we'll say, hmm, this is interesting. And then Elix or Chad or Rain will say like, yeah, it is interesting. And here's where it changed two years ago and here's where it changed three years ago and here's where it changed six months ago so now that you have sort of a history of these changes you are better informed on on sort of putting it into a proper context so let's start with chad uh chad how are you tonight what are you drinking good i am drinking a diet snapple peach tea Ooh, nice they have little factoids on the on the on the caps yeah they used uh, to. Yeah, they always have. Let's see. On the inside cap, no. Oh, they used Not to. this one. Okay. All right. And uh, and how how are you doing this week? Fine. It was a good week at work. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's just going along just fine. My uh, family's great. Uh, it's fun. Summer is finally starting to go a little less hot. <laughs> and uh, we're doing well. Beautiful. And we also have Elix, aka in the chat, Elix Whitetail. But Elix is we have him in the in the Discord. How are you, brother? I'm doing pretty good tonight. And we, uh, oh, go ahead. What are you What are you drinking tonight? Well, I figured I'd treat myself. I got me a generous little pour of 18 year old whiskey from JP Weiser's Canadian mm. stuff. Mm. That's right. That's right. Good stuff. All right, and uh, and how's your week been? Ah, uh, well, I, I tried to skip ahead here. That was what that babble at the at the start was. But uh, it's summer is finally over here, and it's turned to just pissing down rain. But it was a big drought this summer, so it's kind of a good thing that it's changed. But you know, winter's on its way. Good deal. Winter is coming, and I think there's plenty of people that are okay with that. Oh, I'm definitely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So let's get to the intro and get this the party started. Right off the bat, we've got the fact that there's a whole bunch of people in space, and we're going to talk about some of them in particular and all of them in general, but that's some good stuff. There's all kinds of uh, stuff going on in Nomansky. They had a new patch drop, and I, I had some more fun playing Expeditions 3, and there's more stuff to do with the settlements and whatnot. 
Elite's got some stuff think going on, so I hear. Um, there's a very, very cool new, I'm so excited, next week drops foundation. Ah, there's a new trailer for it. We're going to talk about it. There's a cool free game that you can get right now, a cool free space game that's got some weird shit. We'll talk about it. And who are we kidding? The news you all want to talk about, Star Citizen. We've got an accidental, maybe not accident, sorry, not sorry, leak on 3.15 release date. We've got a fix to the AUEC wallet issues. We got a wipe incoming that people have all kinds of feels about. We've got big inventory changes. That's why the, the, the theme of the show is ch 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 changes. And the opening song was Seo George covering that. The closing song is going to be Gal covering that. Both of the links are in the show notes for you to go and check out these awesome artists. All this and more. So stay tuned. If you're listening to us on the podcast and would like to see the live show and visuals, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Black Sky Legion and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Black Sky Legion. If you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch and would like to know how to catch our podcast, check out anchor.fm forward slash Black Sky Legion. For sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at blackskylegion at gmail.com. Our very active and growing Black Sky Legion Discord can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash BSL Discord, where you can check out community feedback, resources on Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, and No Man's Sky, and get real-time updates from a variety of content creators. In addition to the Discord community feedback channel, feel free to write in our YouTube comments anything about the topic of the week. As well as anything else you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're enjoying the show on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe and click on the bell. It really helps us out. On Twitch, a follow would be much appreciated. We record live every Friday night at 8pm Eastern, midnight UTC. So come and join in on the fun. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. And let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. And most importantly, tell your friends about the show. You're listening to the Black Sky Legion! Subscribe if you want! Who fucking cares? Hell yes! Alright, let's start off with our guest interviews. Uh, Elix, tell me a little bit about you. What brought you to gaming, space gaming, Star Citizen in particular, uh, the Black Sky Legion... Uh, uh, you know, community, the whole nine yards. So I've been gaming for a long time. The first the first computer games that I remember playing were Four Colors, and it was either the original Test Drive by Accolade or a forgotten game called Alley Cat, which was just basically a series of one of one screen mini games. And I got into Star Citizen specifically because in 2014 i got an amd graphics card that had a game code associated with it and it was like get three free games one of them was star citizen i was like oh cool sure and that got me my amd omega uh mustang omega what i didn't know was the day that i got my code from amd was the day of citizen con 2014 when they showed the demo with the planet side landing on the art corp and the first time we got to look at what SIG had in their mo in, in the plans for Area 18. 
So I came into that very soon after, and it was just an explosion of hype because all this, all the news was dropping, and I was just completely hooked. And I was, I thought, this is nuts. Um, now it's been years since, and I've learned how to kind of regulate the news as like this isn't finishing too quickly <laughs> but you know i'm still here and i'm still really excited about the project and um for i've all like i've other games i play a lot of final fantasy 14 before that i was final fantasy 11 mm. teru you teru know. for life baby hell yeah and uh so yeah, I've I've come I like I play a variety of different games. I know some people are like, if it's not space games, I'm just not playing games. Me, I just I'm all over the place. So hell yes, anyway. hell yeah. yes. I hope I hope and and you know you don't have to say if the answer is you don't know. You can keep it to yourself. It's all good. But I hope you'll join us in New World and have some fun with that when it launches in two weeks. We'll see. Yeah, uh, maybe um... no. I'm not sure about that. Like, I'm not saying fuck this. I'm out. Mm -hmm. I'm, but I haven't been sold on it. I'm letting it have a chance to sell it on me. But I've already got Final Fantasy 14. So how many, you know, how many things can I really fit in my life? I get it, man. Without losing it. That's so, fair. Yeah. That's fair. I get it. All right. And uh, how about Chad? Let's start with you. What brought you to gaming? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell what brought you to space gaming. What brought you to Star Citizen, what brought you to the Black Sky Legion community? Yeah, I need multiple chapters for this, but I'll do the short one. Um, first computer games I made were, were played probably was the Atari 2600, uh, like Asteroids and uh, Tank and all those other cheesy little games. Um, oh, I was born in 1970, so I've been doing this a while. Yes. And uh, my first... Um, Computer games were like on the Apple II, like uh, Montezuma's Revenge and stuff like that. Uh, I started programming when I was 10 years old, and I never stopped. That's what I do as a career now. Um, and eventually went up to, I had a Commodore 64 at my, at my home, played some Star Trek games on that. Eventually a PC, TIE Fighter, X-Wing, blah, blah, blah. Then Star Wars Galaxies happened, which was like the best game ever made at the time and in many respects still is. Uh, that's where I got my screen name from. It's my Star Wars name. And then I heard about Star Citizen and Elite and Star Citizen more and it interested me more, but I waited a while. I didn't buy it until the end of 2016 and I've been uh, playing pretty heavily for the last couple of years, but dabbled in and out for a while until like three point something or other when it was actually more of a game than not. Mm. And uh, then I heard about uh, Black Sky Legion, I think, on one of your podcasts, and I went on the Discord and the rest is history. Right on. Good stuff. Okay. So, and, and you guys, like I said, are, are you know, two-thirds of the backbone of all of our Star Citizen coverage of, of you know, <clears throat> bringing up new stuff and keeping an eye on the community and, and keeping us aware of stuff. And so I want to, again, say thank you to both of you. All right. That takes us to the Black Sky Legion segment. We're going to keep things rolling tonight. Right off the bat, announcements. First off, I want to say uh, last week I got hammered on the air and got a little sloppy. And, uh, uh, yeah, so 
I'm gonna gonna moderate some stuff and make a little little change there. I, I heard from some people that they were like, "Holy shit, we thought that was great. That was hilarious." And I heard from some other people that did not like it as much. So, in the end, I'm making some changes, and it is what it is. Uh, <clears throat> with regard to the Sunday show, we're we're on for Sunday. We're gonna be talking about some nor some more new world and and random other shit. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, other projects. <clears throat> right off the bat, let's start with Tharsis. There is, right now, a completely free game on the Epic Store called Tharsis. It's a weird little space game. I'm going to play a video, and we're going to talk about it. Let's go. Transmission arrived from Mars. Publisher says that this game is a turn-based survival strategy game with dice and cannibalism. And that's 100% true. You're trying to help a team of four astronauts on a mission to Mars who unfortunately have a series of disasters every single turn on their spaceship. Your task is to put out fires, restore electricity, and patch holes in critical life support systems, all while battling fatigue and mistake-inducing stress. To solve these crises, you have to roll a set of dice up to a certain value amount. For example, to fix a problem in the navigation module, you might have to roll a cumulative sum of 15. Each of your astronauts has a certain number of dice they can roll each turn. After each action the astronaut takes, he loses one of his dice, making fixing problems gradually more difficult each turn. On top of that, there are often traps that will catch you if you roll a certain dice number. For example, in one module, rolling a 2 might trap that dice in stasis so you can't re-roll it for a higher number. Rolling a three might cause injury to your astronaut, and rolling four might cause your dice to get sucked out into the void, losing it for the rest of the turn. These traps really add a layer of strategy into what you're trying to do. Will you send a high dice rolling astronaut in, knowing that there's a greater likelihood to get the necessary count to resolve the problem, but at the same time exposing them to damage or losing their dice, or will you send in a low roller, trying to just get the bare minimum? There are also several other game mechanics, like how to gain more dice, how to restore health, how to fix hull damage, and so forth. But the game has a wonderfully helpful tutorial that explains everything and also lays out the story. So yes, this is Space Yahtzee with high stakes, but it's terrific and fully engaging. It's a quick playthrough for each game. I completely won the post-tutorial easy mode game in about an hour and a half. All four of my astronauts made it to Mars, and I received one of many unlockables for my efforts. From there, the game opens up, and you can choose specific missions, such as survive five turns with only one astronaut, or survive five turns while you can't repair the hull, and so forth. These missions are fun. I tried one and beat it, and then got crushed on the second. 
Or you can try the game again on a harder difficulty level, such as normal or hard mode, and mix in different astronauts that you've unlocked with different native abilities. In my normal mode runs, I got absolutely destroyed in the main game, making me think my initial flawless victory on easy must have been a fluke. I can't even imagine how hard the hard mode must be. So is this a strategy game, or is it like Candyland where everything is completely up to chance? It's really both. You feel like your choices make a difference, even though the outcome each turn are up to the roll of the dice. But it's definitely possible to do a better job than others, depending on what choices you make. Other reviewers criticize this game for the extreme difficulty and the reliance on chance. For me, it didn't bother me. I thought it was intriguing and sort of stress-inducing to never know exactly how my well-laid plans might turn out. If you like traditional board games, or have a fondness for Yahtzee, or enjoy just a good roll of the dice, this game really dresses it up and makes it something compelling. Alright, so, yeah, right now, you can get that game for free on the, uh, on the uh, what do you call it, Epic Game Store, and it's a <clears throat> solo, sort of a board game that has visual input or whatever, but it's that the, the idea is <clears throat> you're on a ship to Mars, on a mission to Mars, shortly after launch... <clears throat> Uh, but you're at full accelerated speed, you hit a micrometeorite, and it causes a failure cascade throughout the ship. And you have to make a ton of really sort of tough decisions, and the whole time, all of the outcomes of things, like you decide <clears throat> what to prioritize and work on and how you're going to go about things, but there are random dice rolls that just say... Hey, you got lucky. Everything's okay. Or, oh, you're screwed. Which is like, holy shit. I think it's it's cool. It's interesting. It's a little, it's not Star Citizen or Elite Dangerous or anything like this. It's a game that you're meant to hop in, play a scenario, and it's, again, like a board game, like a Yahtzee type whatever game, but with a series of very real and very dark decisions, including... Uh, and, and this may be a, a, a deal breaker for some people, but literally you get to the point of you're keeping track of your, um, your, your, uh, units of, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, um, what's the term of being well-fed or whatever? Uh, um, <clears throat> it's nutrition, your nutrition. And sometimes you have to kill people and cannibalize them in order to keep as many of the crew possible and the mission alive. So that gets dark and weird, but it's, you know, there's, there's tons of different scenarios. You play through them because of the randomness of the dice rolls. There is a certain amount of, you know, replayability of like no two games play the same way. Um, but for a completely free game that you can play right now that is space-based, that is a neat little sort of <clears throat> completely different thing, I kind of wanted to highlight it, bring it up, and, and show it off to people and say, hey man, go get a free game. Zero dollars. You can't beat that. Try it. If you don't like it, okay, don't play it. If you do like it, cool. Congrats. Well, you're, enjoy. Uh, Wolf, you get, you're up first. Yeah, I was watching the the trailer 
and uh, reading up on it a little bit um, a couple days ago, and it's like the developers of the game decided, hey, you know how we like to play Be- Betrayal at House on the Hill? <laughs> Can we put some of that into uh, Let's Go to Mars game? That sounds like a great time. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that game's definitely not for me. That's, that's going to cause way too much um, blood pressure and, and like screaming at the computer. Fair, fair, completely fine. All right. Uh, Katie, what do you think? I think it sounds very interesting. It's certainly something that I would be interested in checking out myself. Um, yeah, I think I think it sounds really cool. Really cool. I like the the aspect of it where it's very. I, I kind of I really wish that this was a free iOS game because this I could see a game where it's like, eh, I need to get out of the office. I need to whatever. I'm just gonna throw it on the iPad, sit back on the couch, put on an episode of some TV show, and play that because it's just a little dice rolling across the screen or whatever. It seemed seemed whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, Elix. So I watched a friend stream that one time, and uh, I'm not sure if, like, they, they just went straight into normal without knowing what to do. Oh. So it was a range, on, on the couple runs that they got through, it was a range between, like, clinging to a slow declining failure <laughs> or just getting absolutely destroyed by bad dice rolls so yeah it it, you might want to play it on easy to get the hang of it first okay all right tweaked what do you think fun little little side thing to try i mean it's free you can't hurt to try it you can always delete it if you don't like it that's for sure i mean it doesn't look like the type of game i normally play but it might be something to kill some time with okay all right chad what do you think Looks like an interesting little thing to do every so often and to watch your group slowly die in agony and death. I feel like the 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 the, the value in it for me is the idea of playing in your mind the commander and you have to make these tough decisions and it's like well, you know, of course we're not going to but go ahead. It, it, it's one of so I, I me and me and Will, we play mm-hmm. like together. I know it's not a multiplayer game, but we we sit down and we play Rimworlds together. Mm. Mm. And it's a similar kind of thing where you've got to, like you say, you've got to make these really difficult decisions um, that have, you know, far-reaching consequences. But I think that, that that's the kind of the, the the pivot point, I suppose, of the fun of it. You know, mm. in, in, the, in the, the there are consequences and and what the, these these moment-to-moment decisions that you make really matter. So you're going to fire this up with Will and see if uh, he votes will. to cannibalize people and then you're like, what the <laughs> I hell? I want to be a fly on the if wall only, for that. If only you knew some of the things that have happened to our Rim- Rimworld colonists. <laughs> oh. oh no, you're poor people. <laughs> what kind of mods have you installed? <laughs> oh, too many, I think too many to list here. <laughs> so for the a rhetorical question, but okay, go ahead. For, for the record, I definitely don't want to be there when you get to the point in Nomansky of having your own settlement and seeing what you subject your poor villagers to. <laughs> oh no. Alright. Does anybody have anything else on, on this before we move on to the next subject? Alright. Next up, we've got Fly Dangerous. Uh, we talked to you a week or two ago about their update with the multiplayer, and I would very much like to share with you now a little video capture of chasing a wild sanderling at 4,000 kilometers per se- four, sorry, not 4,000, 4,000 meters per second. Check it out. 
Now, I'm playing this with the sound way, way turned down because it's just, uh, there's no conversation. It's just some sort of background music. But I wanted to sort of play this way turned down. We can talk over it and get everybody's thoughts and opinions of Fly Dangerous as a product in general and just the amazing footage that you're seeing here. They've created, uh, Juki Bomb has created a series of tools, one of which obviously here is, it makes a sort of laser trail from the lead ship if you're playing tag. And so <clears throat> there's that. There's also, you know, rings and sort of things you put up to make these sort of floating in space flalums, these gates that you have to clear for, for like time trials or what have you. But this is just a cool game of tag where you have a, a, a laser line that tracks you to the lead ship at all times, but you're hooning around, you're playing tag, you're chasing each other, and you're flying at stupid speeds, 4,000 meters per second, close to the ground in crazy terrain. Let's, uh, let's go around the horn and see what everybody thinks. Just on the project, on this video, on the multiplayer, on all of the cool stuff that that Yuki and the community over at the Fly Dangerous Discord are sort of collaborating on and doing. And, you know, they come up with crazy ideas and she makes them work. Let's start with Katie. I think he's absolutely outstanding. Like, I've not, I've not played it myself. I've seen the footage that we've shown. And, oh, my God, like, I've done a little bit of... So, so outside of content creation, uh, I work as a 3D asset developer, so I make 3D, 3D models for games and animation. Mm. Um, I've done a little bit of, of game programming. I, I've, I, I studied computer science in university, uh, and it's really, really got them hard, like, really hard. The fact that they've been able to recreate with this level of fidelity, like flight with proper physics and the environments and the feel of of hooning and flights off and uh, it is just breathtaking like it's amazing i i, I haven't played it yet myself but i would certainly 100 percent want to give it a go give it a go play around with it because it just looks incredible beautiful tweaked yep i've got it downloaded i downloaded it last night i have yet to have a chance to try it but if memory serves, when she started this, she basically took the flight model right out of Elite Dangerous and she used it in here. And and I agree with everything Katie just said. The game looks great. And with that kind of a flight model, just how much fun is it going to be to fly around these worlds like that? And yeah, I'm excited to try it. Beautiful. Wolf, what do you think? I am just in absolute amazement of the work that they've been able to that Juki and and everyone over there with the suggestions and whatnot. I've I've hung out in that Discord, um, just kind of lurking and talking a little bit. Um, my my takeaway from this video in particular is Sanderling is absolutely mental. Like you can watch you know, your the camera view is from the chase pilot. And you can see that they're, you know, trying to keep up and trying to follow the lines and whatnot. If you look at the terrain that Sanderling's following is is just blitzing through. It's like, all right, here's where I'm going to go, and I'm going to go the most difficult way possible. Try to keep up, and that answer is a hard nope. Like, you're not going to do it. Like, he's... that. That game is is made for Sanderling to do that kind of crazy shit, and for everybody else to just get as good as they can and try to make their own blazing trails through those canyons and around the little peaks of mountains and it's just absolutely stunning um 
a hundred percent kudos to Juki and the entire crew over there. Hell yes. I see Onikazi in chat asking, what is the name of this? This is called Fly Dangerous. It is an absolutely 100% free game that you can download from GitHub and just play for free. It is a passion project by a very cool uh, developer, private developer, who saw that Elite Dangerous was phasing out the Pomesh, uh, you know, and, and really sort of the most of the good hooning in that game. And they said, ooh, I think I would like to uh, do something to save that. And yeah, so we've had her on the show and talk all about it. And uh, you can go get it for free on GitHub. We will have in the show notes the GitHub link for the game as well as the Discord link for the uh, Fly Dangerous Discord. Also, um, we've got in the Black Sky Legion Discord channel, we have a Fly Dangerous channel that uh, people, you know, Juki's in there talking and other developers and uh, players and people that are sort of collaborating and whatnot on the project are in there throwing out ideas. Other developers of private games or whatever say, like, they pitch ideas and su suggestions and questions to Juki, and she, uh, you know, answers and, and engages. And it's a very cool thing when you see a passion project by an awesome developer who engages with the community and, and you know, sort of says, oh, you want this? Well, let's see if we can figure it out, as opposed to, like, nah, that's you don't want that. It's not good. Trust me. You think you want it, but you don't. Turns out people pretty much know what they want, and they'll tell you, and you should listen, and then take their money. Uh, Juki is doing that without even taking their money. So, yeah. I I didn't know this was free, and, and now that I do know that as well, especially, I have to, I have to download this and have a go myself, because, oh my god, I'm watching the footage right now um, that, that, we're, that we're playing, and oh my god, like, sense of speed, and uh, it just looks so good. Mm. I, I, I'm quite excited to give this a go. 100% free. Uh, so now you can go to their discord and I'm sure if you ask, Juki can probably find a link somewhere for, so for people that want to support the project. Cause it definitely deserves it, but it's 100% free to play for as much as you want. And some people are in a position that they can throw money at projects to say like, Hey, I like this. And I want to say thank you and do more. Other people are in a position to, uh, contribute through their time and feedback and and whatnot and it's all beautiful it's all love however it fits did i get to everybody did everybody get a chance to hop in on this did i miss somebody i feel like i missed somebody no okay beautiful project we love you juki we love you sanderling we love you fly dangerous crew um that takes us to the crew spotlight we're gonna briefly run through things Right off the bat, I got to call out Roy. Roy will not be with us for probably like a month, maybe two. I don't know. He is back and forth. So what he does, I'm not going to get too much into the details because I don't know how much he wants to have people know. But he does a thing sort of in tech and deals with sort of a big startup thing. And he's been working with this thing for quite some time. And... Part of it is he is back and forth a lot from uh, in between America and Mexico, where they have some big 
phase of the project. I don't I don't know really all the details, and I I'm very on the stuff I do know. I don't really know what he wants out there. But long story short, <clears throat> he's going to be traveling back and forth between America and Mexico a lot for like the next two months. And a lot of that travel, I think, is actually going to sort of be on Friday. So this weekend, I know he's spending all weekend in Mexico. Next weekend, I don't know what his, but like he's back and forth. And if, for example, he spends, you know, Tuesday through Friday in Mexico and then flies back to the United States to spend Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday with his wife and kid, you know, it's kind of a dick move to be like, yeah, when you land, for sure, uh, you know, uh, rush home and tell your wife and daughter, like, yeah, screw you guys. I want to go put on a headset and hang out in my office and do a podcast. Like, no, I, you know, it is what it is. So Roy won't be with us for a while, but he still w- is with us in spirit and is with us in the Roy stories, which are sort of pre-produced and all in the hopper. So we're keeping those going. Uh, tweet. What have you been up to this week, brother? Well, uh, to nobody's surprise, I've spent about 95% of my time in Star Citizen, of course. I did, however, force myself on one night, and I spent about four or five hours to give Odyssey a fair shake. So I, I played it. I I tried to separate in my mind what I thought should have been and just took it for what it is and found myself having a little bit better time than I expected. So there's that. I'm trying trying to rekindle my the one thing i can say is when i got into elite that night it felt like i was visiting an old friend i missed flying around in the galaxy and all that kind of stuff uh just i ftf come on transfer the accounts i don't want to do the grind again that's all i got to say about that <laughs> yeah no i i yeah i get it 100 percent. i don't i didn't for sure we don't want to cut you off tweak if you have we can talk about things a little more in the stars uh sorry in the uh uh elite segment as well but for sure if you want to elaborate a little bit because i I, with regard to elite i kind of also have that feeling where part of me wants to go back and play some elite and part of me is like "Ah, it's too soon and i'm still angry uh maybe around christmas time I'll, i'll i'll dive back into it and 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 whatever i'm not done in elite i'm positive that i'm not done in elite but i'm also unable right now to enjoy it without having too much whatever tied to it so i'm kind of ugh. uh yeah Yeah, and i did a good job of separating it and actually i can say when i i set foot on a planet that is in opic space that i've landed on and drove around before and i looked up and it was a different feeling looking up at the space that i've spent so many thousands of hours flying in just my biggest thing right now is I don't think I've got the grind in me. I mean, as I've said, I've got so many ships that are every module grade five on my Xbox. And mm. I've got billions of credits sitting there on my fleet carrier and in my pocket on Xbox. And mm. I just don't have it in me to go about and and do all of that all over again. But I think what I can do is build one or two, maybe three ships, open up the engineers casually and then just play the game casually. Not not the time sync that it used to be for me. Okay. But but just every now and then get on with some friends and do some things. It it it, it was okay. It, it, I'm I'm trying to rekindle my, my flame with it. 
I got you. Uh, tweaked. Or, sorry, tw- Wolf. What you been up to this week, brother? So, I finally made it to Jack's station in Colonia. Um, and that... I think I think dude's completely different than the BGS ops um every day is is it's definitely it's definitely helped um keep keep the love that I have for Elite, you know, it, it, getting the last part of, of turning the wheel done to get us into the current phase we're in, that was that was an effort. Um and now I'm I'm going out and I'm you know, casually unlocking the engineers I want out there, and I'm going to see um, some cool sites. I I put up a hey, where's where's some good stuff to go look at in our Discord, and lots of people had just lists of things. Here, go look at this. Go look at this. Go look at this. And and yep. every single one of them have been cool. Nice. And it's it's it, like Elite is it's a wallpaper generator is is what it is. It and I've been having a lot of fun just going and seeing all the beautiful stuff that that it, there is to see um still haven't done much of the on foot stuff yet just because i'm not i'm not feeling that quite quite yet uh i am definitely going to get into it now with with the new rig uh that can actually handle it okay but i wanted to i wanted to love flying around again before i looked up towards the stars that i had spent so many hours in and it's it's definitely been a good thing for me to go do um i played a little nomansky um that like i said that's always a game that you can always just pick up do something and then put it down and then go on with the rest of your day and whatever else you need to do so it's it's been a it's been a good week provided the stuff from work wasn't just completely mind-numbing all right katie what you been doing this week i have been playing star citizen this week um, I just want to I just want to say very quickly then that um, it is very what 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 Tweak said about um, returning to Elite and it was like this is an old friend that's really nice you mm. know I know I know that there's still some like like with you kind of there's still a bit of um, you know, there's still some unresolved things to work through there but I think that people should just play the games that, that they enjoy playing if that game for you is Elite. Play Elite. If that game for you is No Man's Sky, play No Man's Sky. If you want to play all three of them, play all three of the big space games. I think that people play the game they enjoy, you'll you'll get the most out of it. Um, for me though, it has been a week of being very very criminal in Star Citizen <laughs> and working for crime bosses, you know, raiding prison ships, breaking people out of prison, then being sent to prison, mm. and then breaking out of prison with a friend of mine. Um, which was oh my god, was there more involved with that than I ever imagined? <laughs> it is, it is a really really fun experience to go through that prison break because it is, it isn't just a kind of oh we you know we we do this thing and we go through a tunnel. There's a lot involved with escaping from the Kleischer prison in Star Citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was it was one hell of an adventure I have to say. It was really really good. It was it was one of the best moments maybe I've had. I've had a lot of great moments in Star Citizen, but that was that was definitely one of the best for sure. Beautiful. You were working for Twitch, weren't you? Uh, yes, I, I was working actually, for Twitch. Yeah, I, I actually went and did some stuff for Twitch too, and I made a f- pretty fair bit of fast, quick cash and and a hefty crime stat of four for my my, <laughs> my, my balance. But it was a great time. I had so much fun with it. 
<laughs> it really is. And it also gives you a good... Uh, I found that this past week I've been... Two things that I've really enjoyed have been spending a lot of time in around Area 18 in Art Corp because it is just spectacular. I actually... I, I, I spent some time recording some, just for the intro of a video, just some flyby shots of the, the city. But I ended up staying there for about half an hour just recording these slow flying shots because the the um, the variety in the buildings and displays and the kind of the neon signs and everything is, is breathtaking at night. Just walking then, around there is the same thing with the ads and everything, the neon ads. It's very Blade Runner. Area 18 is probably my favorite spot in the whole verse. You, you've got, you absolutely got it right. Like Area 18, uh, when I first started playing, I thought that Lawville was Blade Runner. No, no, Lawville is Judge Dredd. Area 18 is Blade Runner, 100%. Yeah. All um, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a week of criminality for me. <laughs> the, the worst part about doing missions for Twitch is every time you go to see him, you know, you get into his hideout and he starts off with, It's your boy. No. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 joke is because all the Twitch streamers always start. Ne never mind. Uh, all right, Chad, what you been playing this week, brother? Uh, guess. <laughs> uh, Star Citizen, of course. Okay. <clears throat> and then and uh, been doing some lot of multi crew or multi ship uh, bounty hunting missions. Just seeing what all the what works and what doesn't work. I was able to buy a lot of different ships after Xeno Threat, so I've been trying them out. Beautiful. And having having fun. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And Elix, what you been playing this week, brother? Well, I've been playing mostly Final Fantasy fourteen because okay. so just as um Frontier has stumbled with Odyssey and has been bleeding players to Star Citizen, No Man's Sky, and just other games in general um world of warcraft has stumbled pretty badly and has been bleeding people to final fantasy 14 and other mmos so a lot of times when i get on i'm just as a healer just jumping into queues to make dps's lives easier because <laughs> they're just waiting for hours to get into dungeons but nice. the the other thing as well is uh, a game called skatebird came out on steam yesterday and it's basically a love letter to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Nice. And it's charming as hell. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Back in the day, I was a bit of a skater boy. Broke my arm. Broke lots of stuff, but broke my arm really bad once. I, I came down oddly, and I had a compound fracture, so the bone came out of my arm, like out of the skin. It was uh, not great. Not great. But uh, yeah, hell yeah. Okay. Right on. So that's what the crew's been playing all this week. And I, I remember back in the day playing Final Fantasy XIV, and I mained as a tank, and uh, I had all of the tank classes maxed out. I had most of the other ones as well, but all of the tank classes, that was always my first priority. And, oh, my God, no queue times. It was great. <sighs> Let's start off with the segment. Star Citizen News. All right, we're gonna change up how we do things a little bit. Um, we're gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take over doing the news for Star Citizen. Back from Katie. We're gonna run through it briefly. We're going to uh, play the ISC and get people's opinions, and then Katie's gonna lead us in a little discussion of actual sort of 
gameplay discussion of, of stuff that's going on with regard to Star Citizen, and then we'll hit up the discussion topics. So let's start off with patches, changes, maintenance. There was a hotfix to deal with the bug causing Alpha UEC to get deleted. We'll be talking more about that in a moment. With regard to sort of community and news stuff, voting continues on the ship showdown. The Argo Cargo and the Carrick. And let me tell you, I am on team Argo Cargo, but I know <laughs> I know that we've got a few people in the cast that do not agree with th- that sentiment. So let's yeah. let's open this up. Actually, no, wait, let's save this. Let's save this because when we get to the weeks, whatever. I want I want because I, I know I'm gonna hear from a couple people on this, but as far as I'm concerned, go Argo Cargo. Y'all saw the 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 uh the uh <clears throat> thumbnail that i picked out for this episode vote cargo vote argo and vote often all right spectrum there was the currency hot fix and the 3.15 wipe so let's get into this discussion right off the bat the currency hot fix it was just hey man we fixed the thing we're working on stuff to make things better all the time thank you for bearing with us okay cool then the Alpha 3.15 database wipe, which was like part two of this same post on Spectrum. We have it in the show notes by Jake Acapella. Uh, Jake, uh, a.k.a., you know, the, the guy what was back in the day on INN. We love Jake. Jake is good people. <clears throat> so that's right. The time has finally come. Back when we introduced long-term persistence in Alpha 3.8.2, we communicated that database wipes would happen potentially even on a quarterly basis. Fortunately, though, we've not had to do a full wipe even once in the last 18 months until now. So let's talk about what this means, why it's important, and how often you can expect wipes in the future. As of 3.15, long-term persistence LTP is broken up into three distinct parts. Items, wallet, and reputation. Going forward, we will be able to wipe specific parts of LTP individually as needed, for example, wiping reputation while leaving wallet and items intact. This level of flexibility will allow us to do necessary wipes while maintaining the impact on the community. So I'm going to stop there. The full thing is in there. You can read it. Uh, I, I am going to point out, though, <clears throat> the, the last bit. There's one last little sort of post addendum that's that's at the end of it. Lastly, we know that many of you dedicated yourself to the CDF to help defend Stanton in the recent Xenothreat attacks. We're also aware that many of you took full advantage of this heroic and lucrative opportunity and don't want to feel that this was for naught. For this reason, we're currently exploring the feasibility of awarding AUEC post-wipe to those who participated in the event. Stay tuned for more details on that front, and we'll see you in the verse. Now, again, I want to be clear. I cut out two or three paragraphs in the middle there because you don't need to hear me talking all that much. You got the gist of what, what the point of the of the thing was. But the whole, uh, the entire thing is right here in the show notes, and we're putting it, I'm putting it right now in the Twitch, or sorry, in the YouTube uh, thing, and it'll, it'll move it to the <clears throat> Twitch as well. Um, let's go around the horn and get everybody's sort of views and thoughts on this. I'll save mine for last. Let's start off with Elix. So, you know, it is alpha. So of course, wipes are always going to happen until they're done with alpha. 
Um, and they said, you know, we, we wanted to wipe as little as possible. And it has been, you know, 18 months or so. And I think a lot of, like, I saw people calling that personal inventory was going to bring a wipe just because some people have, like, 30, 40 pairs of armor. And it's like, where the fuck do you, how the hell do you deal with all this? Um, I think a wipe was also pretty inevitable at this point because AUEC exploits were just happening more and more. And more people were becoming aware of them and sharing them. So it was just creating a, the, basically making the problem bigger and pretty much daring SIG to wipe. But uh, the thing that I'm thinking the most is that some people may not be aware of all this. They might have come in in the last year and just kind of missed the ticket about, hey, there will be wipes. So I can understand if some people are surprised and upset that all the shit that they've been working on suddenly is going to get taken away. Mm. But, you know, it is alpha. Okay. Uh, Chad, what do you think? Well, um, we knew it would happen sooner or later. And uh, all of Elix's points are completely valid. Yeah, there was even a new exploit that Captain Burks put up on YouTube. It's like, look, you can, you can double your money every three minutes. And it's like, okay. Um, yeah, it's just getting kind of silly. And out of overblown, I knew someone who accidentally bought a thousand tractor beam attachments um, and uh, converting as a software engineer and a programmer for 25 years, converting the database from the old system to the new system for the way they're doing inventory would probably be an incredibly difficult task. And considering this is a massive change to every how everything is stored on the back end, doing a wipe was probably the best thing to start with a level playing field for everyone and for the especially the developers because i wouldn't want to even think about trying to debug uh not wiping the database and trying to import it all and then it all just goes all, all wrong everyone's just up and up in arms mm. uh, so this is at the end of the day this is the right thing to do and honestly it doesn't take that long to earn enough money to get some of the, the smaller ships and with with Group gameplay now being basically required, it's now easier than ever to earn money because no, not everyone's soloing in the galaxy or in the system anymore. Most people I know are doing group missions because the turrets are so powerful that you can make more money, make it quicker, and it's a lot more fun. Okay. And now that multiplayer is in place, uh, doing the wipe and then earning back stuff in-game is not that big of a deal. Wolf, you're up. Yeah, I was really surprised that it's been 18 months since they needed to to do a wipe for whatever reason. I mean, I understand that they want to let people play the game and try to get as much time in doing stuff as as they can. Um, mm -hmm. But I, the my immediate thought, you know, kind of along the lines with Chad is, you know, it's we got to stand up this new database, and either either we can a populate it all with with zeros and let them go and do their things and fill it up and and do that, or b we do this database migration, and in the process, we mess up uh, one or two things along the way that not everybody has, and it just creates this bug of trying to figure out what's going on for who and why, and that just seems like a nightmare that they did not want to deal with when their time could be spent elsewhere by just doing a full-up, everyone's back at zero, do the stuff that you know how to do, 
play the game, enjoy it, and make your own little Empire of Dirt all over again. Okay. Yeah, so 3.8.2 dropped on February 27th. It dropped the day before the, the end of February of 2020. So, yeah, it's been that long. Uh, Katie, you're up. Your thoughts on this? So, I think that, um, like, like Elix and others said, that the obviously this was, this was meant, this was, like, like, signposted a lot, a long time ahead of this moment that physical inventory would most likely bring in a wipe. However, I, I feel like the, I feel like when it comes to the credit balances, and this is a, this isn't like a, um, Think about my own credit balance because I, at the moment, have almost no credit whatsoever. Uh, I have been very, very uh, foolish with my spending, as mm. it were, because <laughs> I'm impulsive. Mm. Um, but I, I think that you've you've just gained a lot of, I think, new new players, new accounts from from a certain other game that has, you know, been been, been waning a little bit. You can say it, World of Warcraft. Go ahead. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> Who have had their first like couple of months in the game mm. and have been in their credits and and I think I, I I totally understand why the wipe is necessary. I think that it maybe would have been a little bit maybe it would have been smart to put in concessions for credit balance at the very least or something to that effect, mm. so that when people come back in, they they they're not starting from absolutely nothing. They they can start with enough to kind of get the get back into the flow of things you okay. know um okay but that really is playing devil's advocate or anything like for me for me personally the white it doesn't matter i i think it'll be a pain to go and rebuy my armor and weapons and things like that um but i'm not i'm not broken up about it and tweet yeah i mean i knew the the wife was coming we've we will know there's probably more coming uh quick no i did Spend a little bit of real cash on some armor, so it's in my hangar, so I'll have my armor after the wipe, <gasps> hopefully. That, that'll that be good. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy for that now. Uh, and, and to Chad's point, it, I've been playing for maybe a month now, and mostly thanks to Xenothreat. I've already got the Cuddy Black that I started with. I got my Gladius that I've done most of my money-making with. And because of all that, I bought my MSR. So it only took me a month of playtime to get all of the, the, both of those ships. So I'm not real worried about getting them back again. But the wipe did kind of have an adverse effect on me and a lot of my friends, I think, to where I logged in that night and I was like, well, shoot, what do I do now? I'm not really sure. Uh, do I go bounty hunting? Well, no, because that's going to get wiped and I'm, I'll lose the money. Do I, I guess I'll go sightseeing or something like that and that's actually what spurred me to jump into odyssey that night it basically has left me rudderless i guess in, in the game right now because and it might be because i spent so much time in elite that i'm conditioned to grind i want to make some money and i want to buy that next cool ass ship that's in the game mm. but that being said it doesn't really bother me the wipe will come i'll start anew and i'll be headfirst into it again Okay. I would only contend that the game is in a place now, and especially with persistence coming in soon, and, and I agree that a wipe is almost necessary with what they're doing with this next patch coming. But I would, if I'm CIG, I would heavily consider how many more wipes they have in the future because they are gaining a lot of extra players from a lot of other places, and the game is 
quite playable at this point in time. And people, when they play the game, they want to earn things. They want to achieve things. And to have that reset every three months, that's just kind of a incentive to wait, I guess. And I don't think that's what CIG really wants everybody to do. Okay. So interesting points. All right. So here's my thoughts on this whole thing. I got a couple of them. I'm going to try to keep it brief. Number one, this is a huge plus in the sense that this is the first time that we've ever had a mention of reputation being added to persistence. So starting now, for the first time ever, it's going to be that every wipe, every, sorry, every quarter when they drop the new 3.15, 3.16, 3.17, you're not going to have to start reputation from scratch. That's a huge plus for us. Number two, yes, the wipe is going to cause some people uh, to have some issues with regard to, you know, oh, I had to 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 reload this. I lost that. I I whatever. Sure, this is an alpha. You knew that this was sort of um, a thing that you know, that you, you you were signed up for. I think the community has taken it fairly well, by and large. The majority of the people in the community have been like, okay. And, and lastly, I want to point out, sort of, of course they're going to wipe. It's been a year and a half plus of people just amassing more and more and more and more assets that are all in this magical bag of holding that just follows you everywhere you go, where you reach into your pocket and pull out 800 suits of armor and 42 rifles and 37 grenade launchers and 82 pistols and, you know, just so much crap. And the fact of the matter is, is we knew that in 3.15, they're moving databases from everything just magically exists everywhere and into a different system of now we're actually keeping track of what's where so let me ask every last one of you listening in twitch in youtube in in, in on the podcast um you've moved houses before right you've moved like oh well we lived here and then we moved to you know ah, we lived in chicago then we moved to san francisco what do you do every time that you move? You pack up as much shit as you can that you don't need anymore and you get rid of it because it's less crap to move. Of course they're doing the same thing. This is on a, in a digital format, but it's less shit that they have to keep track of and transfer over and whatnot. And lastly, I'll say I'm kind of almost a little bit excited to see once they get this 3.15 rolled out with the many, many, many millions of less things on the database weighing shit down, I would be very interested to see if it turns out that things chug a little bit smoother. Things are a little bit less, there's a little bit less stress on the overall system with just many, many, many millions of less things to keep track of. That's just the thought. All right. We're hopping into ISC inventory repertory. This is eight minutes long. It dropped just uh, like what, yesterday? Or dropped on the 16th. So yeah, yesterday. Um, we're going to play it for all of you guys to hear, including the cast. And then we're going to get everybody's opinions on it real quick. 
So check it out. Me again. It's time for part two of Alpha 315 Changes Everything. This week, the team is back to talk inventory and finally put all those globals and locals and vehicles and externals and personals into context with one another as they set the table for a truly physicalized universe coming down the line. Healing, we're introducing like the next big step towards Death of a Spaceman. Now we're introducing the first huge leap towards the physicalized inventory. This is really the biggest milestone for inventory in general. The move towards physicalized inventory uh, is really an attempt to make players think and make choices. This is the loop where you have to decide what I take with me is the stuff that I have access to me. And those choices should be reflecting players' gameplay choices, their styles. In the iterative manner will mean that you, know, you get emergent roles in the groups, people bringing all the healing with them because the other guys around them have all the ammo, that kind of thing. So that there are so many different aspects involved in restricting things that encourage communication and you know, cooperation that change the way that you play the game and ultimately um, drastically impact the experience. So if you've played Star Citizen, and I hope you have, then you'll be familiar with the global inventory. You're able to access anything you want at any location. You could be carrying you know, a whale in your backpack, and we don't want that. That is being nuked with prejudice. So from now on, you won't have access to the PMA. You will still have access to the VMA for all of your ships and your ship items and equipment, but anything related to your character will be in the local inventory. Local inventory is the largest space that you have access to. It's not infinite, but it will be the largest space that you have access to. And that is tied to what you'd imagine, the location that you're in. So let's take, for example, Port Olisar. Whilst I'm on the station, I can access Port Olisar and everything that I've stored within the location inventory. Uh, as soon as I leave the station and fly off, I can no longer access that, those uh, items. So when you open up your inventory, you'll be able to just press I or go through it, the person in a thought, and open up your inventory and you'll see, okay, there's all of the, the, the gear on my character. And then you'll have another kind of window on the other side, which will show all of your local inventory. That's going to make you consider, what am I going to take with me from this location? It's also introducing the concept of, oh, I want certain things in these locations, so I now have to move them there. I have to physically go there to put them in those locations. Another key aspect of local inventory, uh, which you now set the very first time that you sign in, uh, is your home location. That home residence has two purposes. One, it becomes your regeneration point, your default regeneration point, whether the hospital or the nearest hospital nearby. And the other thing is that it becomes your default home location for all of your gear, equipment, subscriber flares, vehicles, everything that you own will be deposited at this location. So we've touched on the largest scale inventory that we have, the location inventory. Uh, the next one down um, is a vehicle inventory. And that marries an inventory container with a ship interior. In the same way that you have to be a location in order to access your location inventory, you have to be inside your ship to access your vehicle inventory.
larger ships will have more inventory and smaller ships will have less inventory. And this is simulating all of the lockers and all the physical storage that you would have had on those ships. The interface allows you to drag and drop from location to vehicle, so you'll be able to move items between locations. The next inventory scale down is external inventory, and that's any inventory container that you attract with that's basically in a box. It can be in a ship, or it can be a crate out in the world, or it can be a loot box, it can be anything. It could even be the corpses that you leave. The hell? When you kill someone, the amount of flesh and bones that they leave behind uh, is something you can interact with and start rummaging around inside. It's an interface that allows you to drag off uh, armor, weapons, etc. So finally, the smallest form of inventory is personal inventory. And that's anything that has an inventory container attached to it that you can wear. So whether that's trousers and jacket, there'll be a corresponding UI container uh, for your jacket pockets, for your trouser pockets, etc. Uh, that's uh, environment suits, that's core armor, uh, that's leg armor. And backpacks now are separated from cores. So you can choose which armor you prefer based on the choices that you want, and you'll be able to associate a different backpack to the armor. Light goes with light, medium can have medium and light, and heavy can have heavy, medium and light. So with all these different types of inventories, uh, different sizes and whatnot, that brings us to asking, how do you track where everything is? How do I know where I've left that bag of uh, ammo? That brings us to Knickknacks, which is a new mobile app that we're introducing alongside inventory. You're able to load up Knickknacks, look at it, and at any moment, get a real-time update of all of the items that you have. So you want to know where that P6LR is. And you're like, oh, where did I leave it? Oh, I left it on my ship that's in Port Olisar. Oh, cool. I, I can go and get that. As with many other features that have been released with Star Citizen, there's more to come. Uh, we'll continue to improve it and work on it and uh, flesh out additional functionality. There's a lot more things to consider, to remember, uh, and to coordinate over. I think we're moving towards what the game is intending to be. It's very easy as game designers or game developers to focus on individual mechanics and say, oh, this mechanic does this and this mechanic does this. But what my job is and what I'm trying to help deliver and, you know, is to deliver Chris Roberts' vision. And that vision is this Star Citizen experience that everybody loves and wants to play and everybody is working towards. And inventory and healing are huge ways are moving towards that goal. And the biggest thing that you'll notice is that they're going to change how you play the game. So what did we learn this week? There's an enormous shift coming to the way everything from shopping to trading to vehicle spawning is happening in the persistent universe. That inventory management will become a, a more tactical endeavor when the answer to what's in the cave becomes only what you take with you and that when combined with last week's injury and healing changes, 315 is shaping up to be quite a patch. Now don't forget Ship Showdown is now in the Elite Eight, and since I recorded this a few weeks ago, I'm gonna go ahead and assume the Argo Cargo is running away with the entire thing. And remember, Digital Citizen Con is coming October 9th, so keep an eye out for even more details in the coming weeks. 
For Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee. We'll see you all next week. So what did we learn this week? Well, we learned that the Argo cargo was displayed before the Carrick, telling you what CIG thinks. All right, let's go around the horn. That was an interesting ISC. When you pair that up with the one from last week uh, on the medical stuff, it's, you know, a lot of changes to the game. The game is fundamentally changing and becoming much more deep and complex than it was. Katie, what are your thoughts? Um, I have... I, okay, overall... And I want to, and I want to try. I've had a lot of conversations with people about the new inventory system past week, and I feel I have to stress this up front, or people seem to misunderstand my meaning. I am absolutely in favour of the changes. Like I think that having localised inventories, having to plan what you're bringing with you, uh, is going to be a wonderful change for the sense of adventure, for the sense of teamwork, for planning things out with the team, for making sure you've got what you need with you. I think it'll be amazing. Um, I do think there are some problems with the system, um, and Board Gamer pointed out a few actually about you know the fact that having this isn't really like specifically to do with the inventory system, I suppose, but having you know it's a home base that you respawn at means you may end up with no ships when you respawn at a location. Um, moving items around different locations might become a bit of a hassle, which I suppose is the point, really, you know, the kind of sense of immersion in it, um, is that, you know, it is tricky to move things around. I do feel like the, I feel like the, the, the UI, the presentation that we've seen is a little simpler, more simplistic than I was expecting. Like when I heard the term physicalized inventory, I was expecting kind of three-dimensional objects in the world itself. And, uh, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm disappointed by that. It just. It just wasn't. I suppose what I was expecting that system to look like with the the kind of two dimensional representations in quite a. I mean, this is still an alpha. It's still in development. It's the first. This is like tier zero localized inventory, right? So it, it's you know it, it's not what the final product may look like, but the the UI for the system looked extremely rudimentary to me, at least. Um, yeah, I mean, I, overall, I think it's an incredibly positive change with just some light concerns. Okay, tweaked. Yeah, I like most of the changes that are coming, honestly. I love the medical gameplay that's coming and the inventory stuff. I like that. I, I like that I can't just all of a sudden load something up, even though it's at a station across the, the, the galaxy, per se. You know, I like that realism. I'm, But I'm one of those weird players that likes that I have to wait for the train, too, because it's real or I got to wait for the elevator to come down because somebody else is on it. I love the immersion that star citizen brings me. And this is just going to add to it. The, uh, the tactical gameplay that you're going to have to do, you're going to have to choose what you're willing to lose. To, you're going to have to make sure you have enough on you to get the job done, but also choose what you're willing to lose just in case things go bad. And that's going to, that's going to bring up a lot of interesting decisions that you have to make depend, you know, on what you bring with you into the cave or what you leave on the ship or who comes with you and you mix and match what everybody's carrying. I think it's going to bring up a lot of fun gameplay. 
Yeah, speaking of interesting decisions, when you, me, and Katie are in a cave and we realize we're out of rations and everybody looks over at Katie because she's already got her fork out and she's eyeing both of us up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wolf. I like the idea that the inventory is no longer going to be a magical bag of holding because um, it, it's going to add to the immersion of, hey, I'm going to go plan out a heist or, or, or plan out this thing to do as a group, and I'm going to stash this ship over here, and it's going to have this particular gear on it. So when Katie breaks out of prison and you know she's running around and she's got to get to the next things, so she can change out her outfit and whatnot and kind of blend in and keep the cops off. Like That's going to make some really neat, virgin gameplay and storytelling stuff that you're not going to have without that being enforced um, naturally. All right. Elick. So, yeah, to, to add on to what Wolf was saying, and also kind of as a response to what Katie was saying, um, say, like, responding somewhere where you yourself don't have a ship because none of your ships were parked there in the first place, well, you know, and say you were on somebody else's ship and it got blown up, so you were nowhere near any of yours, well, that's what player transport beacons are for. And eventually there will be NPC transport networks, so you can just buy a ticket and ride a ship home. Um, now, obviously, it can be a pain in the ass, but it's just that extra little bit of planning ahead that I think makes it interesting. Because you have to think, what are the logistics of what I'm going to do, rather than just being able to reach up your butt into an infinite armory? Um, hey, don't kink shame me. I mean, if that's what you'd like to do, Kai, I'm not... But anyway, no, but um, Arma 3 has me really familiar with this because you you can't carry just infinite amounts of shit. You go to, like, 100 pounds of stuff on you, you got 100 pounds of kit on you, well, guess what? You've got the stamina of the asthmatic kid pinned under a cow. You know, you're just... You're not moving very far. Right on. And I think that adds a lot to it. Even right. though it is a restriction, Chad. <clears throat> yeah, no, this is a long time in coming, and uh, I believe when you get killed, you'll spawn at a hospital, not at the stations anymore. But correct. Um, the, so if you ever die, you're not going to be at, you're not going to be somewhere where you don't have a ship. But like the inventory stuff, if you get stranded, uh, you have a choice of either committing suicide and losing everything on you because your body will stay there. And I don't know, honestly, I don't know for how long. Uh, and then someone can take your stuff where you have to go back and get it, or you can just rebuy it. Um, the inventory system obviously is a tier zero. Since you're not able to put physical things in your ship, like you, I'm sure if you went to a gun rack and put a gun there by hand, it would still work. But it's not like you're putting armor in suit cabinets and stuff like that, like in a Carrick. Um, it's all in this magical internal box inside of another box in the ship being the bigger box, and so on. And the landing zone, you can be anywhere in the landing zone you can access to your stuff that's at that landing zone, not just in your hab. So there'll be more more uh, detailed work on like physical locations of stuff, not just something in the area uh, in the future, I'm sure. Uh, and you know, this is it's, it's great. I like the idea of carrying just what you need or having a group where you define, everyone defines their own kind of class. Like, 
this is the sniper, this is the recon guy, this is the heavy with the machine gun, and, and this is the doctor or the medic. And so everyone now has a job when you're doing group content, and everyone just can't bring everything everything of every kind of object and then whip out a railgun, you know, what suits them. So my observations on this video would be that I think it's awesome. I think it's expanding the complexity of the game just as the medical play is. I, I, I will say what I said months ago already on the show. Everyone is saying 3.15 is the medical patch. It's the medical update. And I don't think so. I think 3.15 is the survival update. And half of that is all of the things that come in the realm of medical. But the other half of that is inventory management. Everyone who's played survival games knows inventory management is real. You plan, you know, in, in, in the end, it's, one of, it's the old saying, nobody plans to fail, but a hell of a lot of people fail to plan. And that will make all of the difference. To Katie's point, I think what we're seeing here is the tier zero of the inventory. And just as Katie herself pointed out, of course it will be updated. I think what we're going to see within the next year or two is that this system continues to be refined to the place that I would say probably within the next year it will be refined to the point that you have sort of a hybrid system of what Katie was talking about where there's it's actual physicalized like you see it and what we have now which is this sort of Moby Glass thing. I think what it'll be is each ship will have sort of a couple of, depending on the, the type of ship it is and the type of role that it has, it will have one or two or three or four sort of discrete lockers or locations where stuff is put in. So you might have an armory and you, then you might have a, a medical you know dispensary and a, and, and a couple other things, the kitchen of your ship. And in those cases, you would have three or four discrete locations where you would put stuff and it would work pretty much like the the cargo rack on the ROC does right now which is um you know you open up the back and it opens up a box and that box then opens up a screen and that screen is just a little 2D representation of the stuff that fits in that box but it is to me as far as like the idea of saying okay we want to render you know, 80 guns on a rack and we want to render 300 medicines in a cabinet. And we want to render, uh, uh, you know, 40 different types of food and bottles of water or whatever on each and every ship. That's taxing the system way the hell more than you need to go about doing, I think. I, I, and who knows? I'm not a programmer, so maybe I'm an idiot talking out of my ass. But I think <clears throat> having four or five boxes like you have on the back of your rock where you go and you open it up and that's all your guns listed out. and There's all your ammo or there's all your food or there's all your medicines. I think to me, that's plenty good enough. And that I think would, I would be very happy if <clears throat> that's the final version of, of how that goes. Now, you know, to the point that, that I think it was chattery, like somebody made the point of, <clears throat> you know, if you're in the station, you have access to stuff. Well, you know, obviously in your hab, you're going to have your stuff. We're getting in 3.17 our own hangers where you'll have storage for stuff. 
And also, we've already seen there's locations in all of the stations. There's those locations that you walk by where it's like locker rooms and stuff. Like, I, I think that will be the sort of, you know, designated place of, hey, I need access to my, you know, Port Alazar stuff. Go to the lockers and open it up and there you go. But, uh, yeah, it looks interesting. All right. Next up, we've got on the spectrum, currency hotfix and 3.15 uh, wipe, which we already discussed. Sorry, we're moving down to <clears throat> tweets and disclosures. Two tweets. The first was an accidental leak by Turbulent <clears throat> of the 3.15 release date. So there it is up on the screen in front of you. Um, and... Good stuff. Uh, it, you know, it says right on here. So it was the National Video Game Day, and and somebody from Turbulent tweeted, saying, you know, hey, we're so pleased, and yada yada yada, and they just happened to throw out, you know, and you know, we've been working so hard on these hospitals, which are going to be unlocked in Alpha three point one five update on October twenty second, and don't forget about Sitcon, which is on October 9th. and that was a oof. Somebody screwed up. That was not supposed to be announced yet. <clears throat> to which CIG uh, responded with uh, Zylo posting, Hey all, someone seems to have jumped the gun with this social post, which will likely be removed soon. I wouldn't rely on the content of this post too much. Sorry to be a party pooper. Wink. You know, little, little heart. Uh, you know, I think, honestly... There is a very strong possibility that that was a oopsie. Me personally, and I'm not trying to be shitty, but I'm just going to say it. My cynical side says that might not have been an oopsie. That might have been a very smart and crafty play by CIG to just the same way the government releases bad news sometimes in a softening way. That might have been a very smart play to say, look, there's a lot of people that are thinking, oh, man, 3.15. I'll admit it. I was one. I was thinking for sure 3.15 is going to drop the week before uh, sitcom so that it's out for sitcom. And I think that I've heard that same thing said by many people throughout the community within the last month. And I think that if CIG was hearing that, it would have been very smart and very crafty of them to say, let's put out a soft sort of soft whatever to get this out that it's like, hey, it's not going to be then. It's going to be two weeks later so that people can sort of vent a little bit. They won't vent a whole lot because we haven't officially announced it yet. But instead of people showing up to sitcom virtually i mean sitting there at your computer and watching and being like okay where's the announcement where's the it's dropped and then being pissy when it doesn't happen this is an opportunity to get ahead of it and also an opportunity to sort of throw out two pieces of what some people could consider bad news the wipe and the the sitcom coming you know well before 3.15 yeah let's put out two sort of pieces of bad news softly in 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 a couple of days a good month before sitcom 
almost, you know, like three weeks before SitCon so that we can sort of get it out of the way, let everybody vent if they feel they need to, and, and come to SitCon in a good, positive mood. Just just my thought. All right, let's start with Elix. Your thoughts on this? So as much as I would like to think that this is all a clever play to test the waters and have an easily expendable and deniable, you know, basically flag to throw up that they can disclaim if it doesn't work out so well. Um, SIGs really bad with dates, and they've learned this lesson painfully over the years. Um, they used to they used to give their estimations of dates all the time. Like, oh, we think we'll get patch XYZ out by this date. But then it would take them two weeks later mm-hmm. until it actually was out. And meanwhile, because they gave this date, other people took that as carved into stone and booked a vacation time off work. Mm. And they were not happy. So SIG has learned to not pull that shit. They have failed to learn that they've repeated that mistake since. Like, there was a a patch, I think it was like 3.3 or 3.4, somewhere around there. They gave a firm date of like, we're going to release this, it's going to be right here right there they put it on the actual website even it wasn't even just like a forum post or a social media tweet it was a com link you know vetted by legal and all we will be releasing the patch on this date and then it didn't come out for a week and a half and they just looked like absolute fucking idiots okay um, you know that they so when when xylo says uh ignore this this is the newbies fucking up and you know screwing up on on social media and just you know don't don't look anyone this doesn't mean anything i'm inclined to believe that okay now i also want to add that it's likely that if they have to they'll just put the patch on ptu at citizen con because they've done that before all right wolf so it's at least accessible but anyway go ahead yeah i i this is 314 was huge through M5 is going to be huge. Um, everybody expects SitCon through M5, blah, blah, blah. I get it. Um, I, I still think it's super sporty to really expect that and go into SitCon with that understanding of, of what you think the universe is. Um, this could have been a bit of strategy to test the waters. Maybe, maybe not. But like, dev happens on a dev timeline. And... The way that CIG is doing their timelines, I 100% have to give them props for. They want to make sure it's right before it gets out to everyone. Mm. And yeah, you're going to have some hurt feelings because of that. But you're going to have a lot less hurt feelings when you launch something and it's not a complete bag of ass. Mm. Okay. Uh, Chad, you're up. Well, yes. So CIG has never released anything "quote unquote" on time. The last, like for three fourteen, had that video with Chris, and he's like, "In the middle of July," and then it's like August or something, or whatever it was. So they had thirty, like thirty, no, almost thirty PTU patches uh, for three fourteen. Then like six or seven for three fourteen point one. And it was much later than they expected, much later than everyone thought it would be. But it took a long time to get all those things ironed out. The changes in 3.15 are infinitely more massive than 3.14. 
when you when you can when you, with medical and physical and and all the other fun stuff with new types of missions. So I expect Evo Cadi soon, then PTU maybe around Citizen Con, and then for the next month, PTU patches as they iron everything out. And I, I think October twenty second will come and go, and it won't be released until probably early September, if if history is any guide to it. Um, but yeah, it was a mistake. If, if this was a mistake, I hope they didn't get fired for it. I hope they learned a lesson to not release dates on Twitter, mm. um, especially with something as large and as paradigm shifting as this patch is going to be. Mm. Katie. This is so far outside of my wheelhouse. I have nothing to add. Honestly, I've, okay. I've been through one patch and like... I don't know anything about release dates. It'll, it'll arrive when it arrives, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in a rush to get it, but I'll, I'll be excited when it's here. But yeah, beyond that's, that, I, it means nothing to me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually really glad that I called on you because I think that's a very healthy perspective that more of us should keep in mind. Uh, Tweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of right there with Katie. To me, I, I've, I've been playing a month. I came in right before or right after 3.14 dropped and now we're, i mean within a month's time we're looking at another major update coming so whether it's late october or mid-november to me that's still two major updates mm. which is exactly one more than i saw in my four thousand hours in elite so <laughs> content is dropping so fast and, mm. and not just a little kind i mean these are massive changes that are tangible to the game they changed the game so uh, i'm i'm i'll be patient for it i'm enjoying the game with what it is now and i'm looking forward to this coming and yeah i it'll come when it gets here beautiful uh when we booked our two guests i told them that i wanted them each to present sort of a thing some idea some segment some brief thing about star citizen that they sort of wanted to express to the people so let's start with elix you go first then we'll have chad go so um, I think one of the things that I really, really like about Star Citizen and I'm enthusiastic to see just it going further in the future is that they don't cheat with the game space. Like if you're standing in the window, if you're standing next to the window in a space station and my ship flies by, we're in the same game space together. You see my ship. I see you giving me the finger, you know. It's all live. It's there. It's not cheated. It's not zoned out to in order to deal with the limited RAM restrictions and shit because it's got to fit on consoles. And just knowing that there, you know, it is seamless, and I'm watching players is just fascinating all by itself. Like back when Lorville was there, and that was the only planet in the game with a proper landing zone. I would just sit and tease a spaceport by the windows and watch people come in and land and take off, knowing that their pilot, their player piloted ships, they're just off doing their own things. Like, that was never a thing back in, you know, the 90s. You know, fuck if you could even see outside the windows. Inside was an FPS level and outside was just in a skybox. Now you can actually play out there. Mm. And that's everywhere in the game. And it's going to apply everywhere. You can, like, when you're in space on planets, over planets in orbit, you can see headlights on the surface. And you can just fly right down there. And go, yo, what's up? And it's a dude in a rock, you know, looking for looking for fortune. And then you can, if you're Katie, 
you can fuck him up and take his take his minerals. Mm. Just kidding, Katie. <laughs> you know, but it's just you know, it's it's Chris Roberts's vision. Mm-hmm. You know, a seamless, just huge game. Not many other things can do that. Mm. And I think as we progress in complexity, so. For the longest time, Star Citizen was in the position of they were getting the tools to make the loops. And now they're in the position where they're actually starting to get the loops going. And and I think what we're seeing now is, as, as I've been saying for a while, it's transitioning to the next phase. And that brings with it a vast sort of suite of changes to the game that are going to increase the complexity. You're going to have personalized inventory you're going to have medical you know death of a spaceman you're going to have all kinds of you know additional sort of broadening of you know salvaging and and refueling and all of you know hacking and all of these things that i think it's going to turn a lot of people off i think there's going to be a lot of people that go this is way too complex. This is a huge pain in the balls. I don't want to, this, that, and the other. I think there's going to be a lot of people that leave the project because they say, this is way too big. This is way too whatever. This is not fun. I'm out. This is not what I signed up for. But for every one person that leaves the project under those pretenses, under those hey, man, you're making this shit way too real and I just want to have fun. I think there's going to be 10 new people that come to the project because that's exactly what they are looking for. They're looking for, holy shit, can you believe how in-depth this is? Holy shit, it's not just a matter of I click on a button and I'm at the airport. I have to actually wait for the train and I have the... and, and. There's a lot of people, that's going to rub people very strongly two ways. It's going to push a good lot of people away hard. And it's going to pull a whole hell of a lot of people in hard. And I think that's exciting and also kind of irrelevant to the fact that Chris Roberts was going to make the game Chris Roberts wanted to make. We're all along for the ride and, you know, it is what it is. Does anybody have anything to add or or to comment in response to that before we close this out and 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 move to Chad's thing? I, I totally agree with that premise. There are people that that hate, like I said, they hate the fact that the train takes too long or that the elevator takes too long, and and to me that is the the essence of star citizen for me it, it's that it's a separate space life when i sit down at my computer and i load into star citizen i'm not so much playing a game i mean we all know it is a game but i'm kind of living my space life that i can't live in my real life and the realism of all of that stuff just adds to that yes immersion that that's what it is and there is no other game that exists that is coming anywhere close to what star citizen is providing and that is going to bring a lot of people into the project i think beautiful chad uh oh wait elix did you have something on that yeah very quickly things like train rides taking too long and elevator trips taking too long um a lot of that right now is because you're dying more than you would if there were no bugs 
And so it you know it really wears down on you. But you also have to think like just imagine what it's like when if you die in a four hour long session, it's because you were a dumbass and got shot in the face, not oh you accidentally activated the server's trap card and you died. So you know that's another thing. Okay, anyway, go ahead. Right on, Chad, you're up. Okay, so so the Wayback Machine is a 2003 to 2004. Star Wars Galaxies comes out and is a non, for the vast majority, non-instanced space simulator where you get to live in the Star Wars Galaxy. You can be a merchant. You can be a mercenary. You can be a badass. You can be whatever you wanted to be. You could do it. And they had multiplayer ships and multi-crew ships with ship interiors in 2004 uh, before... And when you flew around, looked out the window, you saw other people around you, and you could see their ships, and you could. It, it was really, really cool. Um, and it was this giant experiment that went on for a long time until EA killed it, and that's a different story. And then this comes along, and it's doing a lot of the many of the same kind of things that was done in Galaxies, but in a much more in-depth way because of the limitations of the technology at, at the time. Mm. And a lot of games are becoming like World of Warcraft, for instance, is was a like you had when it first started. You had to have guilds, you had to have friends. Uh, otherwise, you there's no way easy way to get a group to do a raid or whatever. Then they added the the button where you just dungeon instant instant dungeon button, and suddenly you're with a group of randoms and you do the thing and you're done. And then at that point, guilds vanished overnight. Because you didn't need it, you didn't need that anymore. Because you could just hit a button, insta group, and so there was no social anything. It was just run your content, be done. No one says a word, and then you, you move on. But with three fourteen, it makes grouping, especially like with turret gunners and other content, much more effective in missile operator mode, and much more profitable for everyone to be working together. So I've I've spent more time in three fourteen in groups than I have in, in the entire time I played Star Citizen before now, because of these additional systems. Because there is no magic group button. You have to organize it. You have to. Uh, you know, go into the menu, get a group together, go in, plan on what you're going to do, uh, you know, and all that stuff. And this will only get more complex and more in-depth and, and more logistical-based when they add additional systems for, you know, ships and inventory, what you're carrying and what you're going to do, and any protection some hauling is valuable minerals and so on. And so Star Citizen is going to become this really huge social game on top of just flying spaceships and going pew-pew all the time. Uh, and it'll, for a lot of people, it'll scratch that itch of being able to do all these cool things that are not instanced that you can play with your friends in a, in a consistent rules-based game uh, and just have fun doing whatever you want to do. There's no mm. classes. There's no skill tree. There's no levels. Mm. Uh, it's just what what can you do? What are you good at? What equipment can you operate correctly? Because you may be a great gunner and a terrible pilot or the opposite. Mm. And so everyone will find their role over time. And it'll just be a great time for everyone playing together instead of just playing like in solo mode in front in uh, Elite mm. where everyone just locks into solo and, and then doesn't do anything until they get in trouble. And then they call the fuel rats to save their butt because they ran out of fuel somewhere in the black. Um, and then they go into into the main game with other people, and then they save them, and they go back to solo. It's interesting. If you look at it, you know, they kind of snuck this in when you think about it. These changes towards complexity and, and sort of changing the 
the the the very face of the game really actually already started in 3.14 you know this game went from a everyone flies in their own ship to multi-crew is actually you know viable and 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 necessary to a certain extent uh for certain ships you know i I think and that that's again that's a, a a change that so many people love and so many people, you know, hate. It, it, I think, on balance, more people love it than hate it. But it is a polarizing thing. I think medical, same, going to be the same thing. Inventory, going to be the same thing. Come three point one seven, when we're in our individual hangars, and you have to actually load each and every one of those boxes on, you know, from from the elevator, from the cargo elevator, uh, on a trolley to your hangar into your ship. And then, you know, to sell isn't just go to the thing and click on the terminal and you sold it. It's land in your person, in your hangar, take all the stuff, get it off your ship onto trolleys, get the trolleys over into the cargo thing. Again, there's going to be people that love that. And there's going to be people that hate that. And, and it's going to, you know, right now. There's no reason if you're flying a C2 and you're trying to load up with cargo, you know, presumably if you could get cargo to work right and buy and sell, you it's a situation of like why would I have eight people on the ship? I'm just it's just me, I'm flying. I I load, I sell, whatever, but having a crew of five people, six people on a C2 or a Caterpillar makes a hell of a lot more sense when you look at the fact that Okay, you've got six trolleys and you've got 800 little boxes. Get to moving them. And it's like, yeah, at that point, it's a situation of many hands make small work. You know, it, it you know, that's, that's what you need to sort of, because you don't want to be sitting there for the next two and a half hours unloading it all solo manually. Like, it's like, let's get some people. Let's get shit going. Let's get a load master. We actually have, you know, a job. We got a load master. We got a, 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 a you know, just a, a crew chief that's getting you know you get these through these you get these through these you get and and coordinate it and try to get shit you know that makes the the c2 a hell of a lot more valuable when you've got a row roast configuration so you've got a ramp on the front a ramp on the bottom uh, you know and on the back now you got you know twice as many people that can be unloading at the same time without getting in each other's way like the, it all of this stuff adds so much complexity very very cool Katie, why don't you lead us? Oh, I, Wolf's got a thing. And then, Katie, I want you to lead us into the discussion of some of the stuff you've done this week in Star Citizen and whatnot. Uh, go ahead, Wolf, with your thing. Yeah, the idea of having uh, people on the ship to do specific jobs and whatnot, like, I, I immediately go straight to shenanigans because of, you know, there's there's all of you that I, I play various things with. Like, we're going to do stuff to just mess with each other from time to time. I could just imagine somebody being Scotty on the ship and just all of a sudden the engine shut down because hang on, I've got to do something to make them better. And like, it's right in the most inopportune time just to make everyone die laughing. And mm. it would be fantastic. I mean, that's not even that far away. 3.15. We're all getting guns with drugs. We're getting multi-tool gun attachments with drugs. And they say flat out, if you, you know, take too much drugs or whatever, Oh, you're going to be drunk. You can't see. You can't walk. You literally, you can OD to the point that you pass out and you're laying there 
and you have your field of vision still, although it's going to be blurry, but you can't work your arms and legs. So you're just now basically roofied and laying there on the ground. Tell me that it's not going to be about, oh, I don't know, five minutes into 3.15 being released where every last one of us runs sprints to the, to the store to get your guns full of drugs. And then the very next time you're multi-crewing, uh, I just lean over to Wolf and fucking give him a shot to the neck. And next thing you know, he's laying there on the ground flopping around like a fish while, while me and Katie and, and, uh, and you know, tweaked are all giggling. Like, yes, they don't trolling is coming. You know that, that winter is coming from the Starks. Yeah. Trolling is coming. Be for I love, reals. I love how I'm the one on the floor that's not getting my cut of the bounty. Oh, no, no. We'll still give you the money, but we're going to all laugh at you for a little while while you're flopping around and just watch that one arm twitching or some shit. Uh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not going to be mean. We're just going to be dicks. Uh, all right, Katie, lead us into to conversation of stuffs that happened in Star Citizen, and then everybody sort of uh katie's gonna moderate and and call on you and everybody's gonna hop in and we're just gonna get this going around before i do kai i just want to hear one last thing i believe elix had one last point to make on the on the last um, discussion yeah thank you um so just i was just gonna respond to what chad was saying um i think that chris roberts probably studies star wars galaxies when he was planning for star citizen there's such a huge range of non-combat career paths that are supporting or just, you know, just off on the side entirely. Like, you know, you've got the, you've got combat stuff, you've got multi-crew and like engineering inside the ship. So you got managing different systems. Then you've got search and rescue and medical salvaging, towing ship, ship repair, sal you know, trading, passenger cargo and data transport, racing, all this stuff. There, you know, it's kind of, it's designed to be most of a functioning economy, as far as I can I will, tell. I will say, though, please, please, CIG, let co-pilots just have full access to every system. It makes things so much more engaging than just having access to the shields right now uh, and missiles. They, um, they've talked about, they've talked about the, the captain being able to, like, designate access levels to individual crew or terminals or whatever, but obviously that might not happen and it's not here yet. Yeah, it would be amazing if they do. Just yeah, because uh, yeah, um, co-pilots of the crew could be given so many more jobs. Um, so this week in Star Citizen, I have been returning to my criminal ways, uh, and and for the first time really, you know, since I started playing the game, because I've been treating it more or less like a sandbox for this entire time. I have been visiting the mission givers, um, starting with uh, Twitch, as we mentioned earlier, who is a criminal crime boss. And I don't know why, but the criminal missions in Star Citizen seem to be like more interesting in a lot of ways, mechanically, not just kind of in, in, in terms of, of being bad, but more interesting than the legitimate missions I, um, that's i find that exciting because honestly katie i've never done a single criminal mission i've done okay. i've done good mission good guy missions i've never done the criminal ones yet i should do that yeah so one of the ones that we really love for example has you um you, you you're intercepting a prisoner transport ship it's a caterpillar that's transporting like cryo frozen prisoners to Kleisha. 
and you've got to go on board. And not only have you got to, you've got to thaw out four of the prisoners, um, you've also got to find clues and discover which one of them is like a, an informant for the advocacy and, and kill them. Um, the prison ship is is escorted by fighters and is uh, defended on the in- interior by by guards. So there's a lot of combat involved. There's a little bit of investigation involved. There's uh, some some kind of searching and interaction involved. It, it's it's a really really cool mission. Um, has, is, are any of you familiar? Anyone else on the panel familiar with the mission I'm talking about? The Price of yeah. Freedom. Yes. yes. So yeah, fun. yeah, it's one of my favorite. I've played it a few times now, and it's one of my favorite missions to play. Um, we also uh, carried out a similar mission um, for for the, the criminal faction, which was going down to the planet's surface, finding a crashed Starfarer, um, which I've become I was completely unfamiliar with before Xenothreat. I've become quite familiar, but still, I find the interior of the Starfarer is uh, a maze regardless of how long you spend in one um i i think someone commented in one of my videos that even the owners of starfarers can't find their way around the inside of a starfarer um but anyway we went down to the surface of the planet and it the objective was to find and recover drugs from a crash site for this organization but again the wreck was full of bad guys so you got to do some combat while you're down there and i and i have to say i'm so looking forward to the day when AI NPCs appear on the planet's surface, not just inside bunkers and inside ships, because the opportunity to, to carry out long-range combat against NPCs as well as short-range uh, will be really something. Um, finally, <laughs> finally, we, we carried out probably the most absurd, when you think about it in, in logical terms, the most absurd mission I have ever seen Maybe in any game ever, it was, it was, it don't get me wrong, we had a great time doing it, but it was really, really funny in the moment to be given this mission. We had to travel from where we were to a completely different, completely different planetary system, go down to the surface of the planet, find a crashed wreck, and recover one box of watermelon and return them. <laughs> box, just one box of watermelon. What the hell? There was there was cargo strewn all over the place. Like the, when we got down there, it was incredible because the the uh, as Star Citizen is prone to do, this was on Microtech and this was on one of the temperate areas of Microtech, and the location was one of the most breathtaking I have seen. And Star Citizen is a game full of breathtaking locations, so we were in good spirits about doing this. But it was really funny because there was cargo strewn everywhere at this wreck. But all they wanted was the one box big enough to contain maybe four watermelons. <laughs> I, I would fail that mission every time because I cannot <laughs> I cannot pass up watermelon. I would eat that shit and be like, yo, sorry, there was no box in that ship. I looked. Uh, <laughs> Elix, I believe he wants, to, he wants to bring up something about the Starfarer. Yeah, so you you were talking about it from a criminality aspect and all this, the other thing, and your missions. But the Starfarer layout being a maze is, you know, that's the that's the risk that you go in if you're growing into some place that you're unfamiliar with. And when you're boarding ships, if you're either a criminal or a bounty hunter, 
you know, if you are doing a hostile boarding action, you're going into someone else's home turf where they know they should know that thing inside and out. This might be the very first time you've ever been in that ship. So you have to really be on your toes. Yeah, and that. that oh, go ahead. So I was going to say, that's a really good point. I'll, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, that was fine. I was basically done. Go. The, um, the, the stuff over actually, when you think of it from a defender's perspective, is very cool because not only is it a bit of a maze, it's got things like little vents to crawl through, you know, little little access ways that, that that an invader may not be aware of, but the defenders can make use of. So yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Um, tweet. Yeah, I've done I've played a lot of games through the years and done a lot of missions from mission givers, but for some reason, and mind you, I haven't done any of the missions from any of the other mission givers in the game yet, just Twitch. But they seem more involved. They seem more multi-layered, I guess. And and the missions themselves were a ton of fun. I've done two or three of them now. But then after you do them, you, you got to go clear your crime stat too. And that itself was a lot of fun, going to break into that place, kill the good guys there, clear your crime stat, had to take cover because the crime stat was so high that it generated a bounty on my head. And sure enough, some bounty hunters came looking for us. And so PVP ensued and it just one thing led to another and it's just emergent gameplay. I think we've said that before that star citizen excels at putting you in a position where emergent gameplay just happens. So here's, here's um, criminal one Oh one on crime stats. Um, if if you take down the Comoray before committing a crime, you will only get the crime stat for trespassing at the Comoray, which is a crime stat one, which you still need to clear, but it isn't high enough to, to draw the attention of bounty hunters. You can also actually avoid at certain locations, not all locations, at, at, at um, um, Crusaders Moons, Crusader and Hairston, Generally, you can avoid even the crime set one by taking a mission uh, for the Ill illegal surveillance around various um, com, com relays. Um, I I've looked for those missions out at, at um, Microtech and Art Court, but I can never find them there. But they are very, very popular out down at, at Hurston. Um, I had a similar experience this week when, when the other thing I did this week, um, which I mentioned earlier, is escaping from prison. We all got sent to prison, a few of us did, and uh, we had to to take the escape route, which involved uh, a lot of knowing your way through a maze of tunnels, completing some incredibly difficult jumps, um, while while we keep being mindful of your oxygen, of course. Then getting to the surface, uh, finding and stealing a rover from the prison, rendezvousing with a, a with a friend because you can't get off the surface of the planet without a friend to help you and then going to clear your crime stat with no no access to your inventory has anyone else here completed the the, the uh, a prison break before i have not yet that's one thing i have yet to do i would highly recommend doing it it was uh, it was incredibly fun and involved it was i was not expecting it to be so engaging i, I thought that it would be, I knew there was some jumping involved. I'd been told beforehand the route is quite difficult. There is some difficult jumping involved. 
but I was not expecting it to be so atmospheric and so much fun and and feel so rewarding at the end of it actually like it was really when you when you finally made it out onto the surface uh which is only half the battle right there but even that in itself felt like an incredibly rewarding victory for getting through that that route for getting out of the of the prison and you gotta have your getaway driver sitting there waiting with the cargo ramp down right saying get on board hurry let's go <laughs> yes come absolutely. with me if you want to live <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't you can't escape by yourself no you can't and um and then you've got to go and clear your crime stat following it which we actually we played we played it smart we went all the way out to microtech and i, I had friends shutting down the comrades as we went because the other side of the comrades shutting them down is not only do you not incur crime stats but Obviously, you don't show. It just shows up like last known position. It doesn't update your position. If you're within an area that the where the where the com the local comrade has been taken down, your your position doesn't update. Um, but one of the things that I found was was quite cool was as a kind of a reward, I suppose, for completing a prison break. You get to keep the prisoner gear. You know, your prison suit and your prison helmet. You get to keep those you know normally when you leave prison you don't get to keep the prisoner gear that you had in prison <laughs> um but you can freak people out but just wandering around in prison gear and seeing everyone checking their movie glass to see if there is a, a fugitive contract available <laughs> mm. hey, gonna... did you know that there are two unique shivs in the prison that you can take out with you if you find them i have never found uh, a shift yet no i'd love to but i've, no, I've never found one today i think they're still there Anyway, go ahead, John. <laughs> all, all you do is you just melt your plastic forks and spoons and then you shape them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, we're going to we're going to actually make a band. It's going to be uh, Katie and uh, and me and uh, and tweaked and 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 uh, Wolf. And we're going to dress up in our full on prison outfits and we're going to be the, the soggy bottom boys. And we're going to do a little song and. I know, I know what that's a reference to. Ah, <laughs> hottest band in Lone the Rangers. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Wolf. So I'm not gonna lie. For part of that, you you sounded like an absolute crime boss. It's like, okay, everyone's in the room waiting to find out what we're gonna do for going here and and causing some shit. And here you come walking in with this giant fucking gun. You thud down into a chair, you lay it across your leg, you take a drag on a cigar, and it's like, all right, listen the fuck up. Here's how we're doing this. Just... Uh, what can I say? My, my, my skunks are very loyal. <laughs> nice, nice. That is, uh, yeah, that was, my, that was my week in Another good quality of a good crime boss, though, right? Loyal subject. Oh, totally, yeah. Loyalty is everything in an organization, in an organization on the wrong side of the law. Because as we discovered on the Price of Freedom mission, you never know who's secretly working with the advocacy. That said, we do have a very diehard advocate fan mm. in our organizations. <laughs> okay. So... That's where that's where we'll be looking if anyone ever tips off the advocacy. <laughs> Poor guy. Right on. Okay. Uh does anybody have anything else they want to add on to Star Citizen before we hop into No Mansky? Going once, going twice. Alright. That takes us to No. 
No Man's Sky News. All right, we're going to pare things down a little bit. We're going to make this super, super brief because we've gone on for a good bit and we still got more stuff to cover. So from the top, let's address the uh, Nomansky got a new patch that dropped uh, this week. And it was, uh, a, again, another sort of it, it basically incorporated two patches from the test uh, servers that were rolled into a, a good chunky beefy one that i'm gonna be honest uh i already thought before that patch the game you know when 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 update 3.1 wait i'm confusing all of these when when uh the the nomansky frontiers update dropped uh it was rough it was very very rough to try to play it there was bugs and problems every which where already by last week it was pretty damn playable and pretty good and and i was i was digging it and then with this this last this patch that they just dropped they uh, there's a lot of people are were very very you know happy with the additional refinements and changes that were made so it's been awesome i played uh, another a whole bunch of hours with regard to my settlement i've got my settlement built up to the point where it doesn't seem to be offering me like, hey, add more buildings or whatever. I think I've added all that I can get right now, at least. Maybe with future updates, there'll be more unlocked. Or maybe I just have to get it through a level of whatever. But every time now my base is asking me stuff at my settlement, it's always people have a dispute or some new visitors come with a proposal or there's two rival researches that they, the guys want to do. There's no more. They're not offering me any more buildings. I've got like, I don't know, like 20 buildings or something to my, to my, to my settlement. So that is going well. Uh, I am on phase three of the expedition three and having fun with that. I intend to play a shitload of it this weekend and more or less wrap up the expedition. Uh, I've been having loads of fun i've been trying desperately to get katie and wolf and roy and tweet to join me and everybody's busy or this doing this or doing that and not everybody's nobody's been joining me but oh well i've been doing it on my own and having fun with it um just again you know i'm not going to waste a whole lot of time because we're, we're limited on time but just loving the shit out of nomansky does anybody have anything they want to add to this? As in maybe a pledge to at some point uh, uh, hop in with me on Expedition 3. Yes, the Normandy was Expedition 2. We're on Expedition 3 now. I downloaded it. I've got it. I went to, actually, I found that it was still on Game Pass on PC. So I was able to download it for free because I'm a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber still. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll join you at some point. Probably if, if I get a chance tomorrow, I'll be on tomorrow with it. Okay. Can you go inside? I, I didn't realize the Normandy was from the last expedition, but can you go inside the Normandy? The, so I have the Normandy. Um, it, it is a, it, it, it isn't your, it isn't your whatever freighter, the fleet carrier fleet one. Freighter. It's the, one of the little ships that are like that you send on missions from that, that freighter. Um, so uh, not that I know of on the going inside of it yeah but your freighter your big ship you can 
unlimited, customized, do anything you want yeah. with the interior of it. And people have done amazing shit. Uh, anybody else with something on Omansky? Yeah, I'm going to definitely jump on uh, Expedition 3 uh, this weekend. Uh, IRL has been kind of crazy this week, and I have been looking forward to just sinking some time in getting through all of the different phases and seeing what the storyline they have for us is. Right on. I see Naughty Shepherd in the chat saying like, Hey Kai, I'll hop on. Fuck yeah, bro. We're gonna be we're gonna be in the chat doing it tomorrow for sure. Um we still have like a month on Expedition Three to finish it before it like because it was a six week thing. It's been out for about a week and a half now, whatever. Um almost almost uh, uh two weeks. Um um but uh as far as you know, I kind of am planning on as of not next weekend, but the following weekend being just balls deep for the next month in New World. Like, I want to get this out of the way. I want to clear it off the plate and be like, all right, congratulations, I have it completed. And and then I can play Nomansky as much or as little as, as I want. Uh, I see Rhea Mar is asking about the, the Normandy. Uh, yes, it's copyrighted, but they it's a crossover event that they did with uh, Bethesda or whatever. and, and Mass Effect Legendary Edition was coming out at the same time. Yeah, it, it was a big crossover event that they do that. Yeah, like promotion. Final Fantasy uh, has had, you know, Final Fantasy fourteen had a, a couple of big near uh, crossover events and and other you know it, it happens companies do crossover events with other they even did yokai watch crossovers and yeah people do that um go ahead uh uh tweak yeah i just wanted to to point out again it's another frustration that i, I stated earlier with fdev that i downloaded no man's sky onto my pc and mm. lo and behold i've got all of my progress from my xbox account <laughs> oh, yeah. on it yeah I, yeah I, I wish to God Frontier would just join the new millennium and realize that this can happen <laughs> these days and allow us to to cross save even or across load. Why can't I sign into my FDev account and have all of my shit on my PC? All right. It's frustrating, and I wish they would fix that. I guess that takes us into the next segment, which is... Elite Dangerous News. And we'll start off with... It's the Dark Wheel Update. Like, legit, that post-production work on that turns that lovely British lady's voice into sounding like some evil demon and shit. Go ahead, Wolf, take it away. Yeah, yeah. So, BD183106, TDW took control of the system a little while ago, and all of you have put that system on lock. TDW has nearly 65% inf there, and that is fantastic. The only thing that's left there is to make sure that LHS2335 group, the only other non-native in the system, wins their war, and that'll put the BGS in that system into maintenance mode, and then we can move on and do some other stuff. Yuki! CDW won the conflict and is now number three in the system. Currently, they're less than 2% away from conflict for number two. So a little push there, and we'll have an election, and we'll make the Dark Wheel number two in the system. 
I want to give a huge shout out to all of the amazing commanders working the standing orders. All oh, yeah. of you have been doing a fantastic job making sure that all of this BGS work in the TDW systems has been extremely well handled. That is no small feat, and every single one of you deserve a pat on the back. Absolutely. Um, we're going to do a very abbreviated version of uh, Elite Dangerous News this week because reasons uh and so i'm just gonna run off the top of my head of some stuff that you know that that these are things that have come up and people can chime in if they want to chime in and if not then we can just keep this moving obviously there was some hubbub and commotion or whatever about last week the you know uh frontier made their official stock uh market report where they reported in and then in addition to that Librum, Vibram, whatever, Librum, Librum, uh, which is their official sort of seller or one of their official sellers who put out a report. And, and in fairness, uh, I will say they were open and honest about the fact that the report says, hey, this is uh, an advertisement of, you know, uh, uh, of, of sorts. So, but it, it said like, yeah, um, we made our money for the projected whatever last uh for the last term um and uh despite a very successful alpha period uh we uh, had some connection issues at launch of odyssey and as a result people were less than thrilled with some of that but you know but now it's coming along and going well and you know doo -doo 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 -doo. uh and but at the same time they lowered their projected earnings from odyssey from 35 or from 25 million to 15 million so they they're, they're like yeah we're gonna make 40 percent less than we thought we were but everything's great i uh, i think there's been a certain amount of uh, frustration expressed by some in the community about that, saying like, okay, this is exactly the point that we were talking about of maybe not being sort of open and honest with your communications. But um, I think there's op opinions go all around on that one. Uh, I see that Elix has one he wants to share. Go ahead. So it's nice that they acknowledged that there were connection issues that impacted basically everybody. I think they're referring to like when the fleet carriers were set up wrong and were reporting to both grids and causing a lot of noise and traffic and whatever. Um, but what you have to remember when you're reading a Stark report, you touched on this when you said, you know, this is like an advertisement, but you have to remember that they want to deliver good news to their shareholders. And what is just as important as what they write is what they don't write. Like, you know, obviously we can tell that the numbers are not going crazy. So they don't write anything like numbers have doubled, mm. you know, on PC after the launch of Odyssey. Mm hmm because you know because obviously they don't have the numbers to support that we can look on steam and look and it's not there but they they're missing but think of other things that you think that they would brag about them if they were true if they could be proven to stockholders 
Well, as an interesting yeah. ancillary to that statement, they did make another statement in that Libram report that I forgot or left out or omitted uh, that they were like, yeah, hundreds of thousands of players. Just for the record, right when Odyssey launched and shit was at its absolute like, oh man, people were like, ooh, okay. They, like there was heavy, 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 like there were complaints already, but there was like heavy player, you know, lots of people playing. Art made that sort of brag when he was talking about being the 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 game master. He's like, oh, cause he he did that interview on Live Radio, and he was like, yeah, I feel like I'm the game master. I'm the dungeon master for like seventy thousand people that log on and play our game. Uh, and that was at a time when they had way more. You could measure by any measure whether it would be Steam charts or just people that are on you know, Xbox and PlayStation, you could tell there were way more people then than now. And now they made a comment about hundreds of thousands of players. And it's like, bro, uh, sorry, I'm calling bullshit. There's no way that you've got two to three times as many people playing the game now as at that high watermark. I think you've got at best a quarter of the people playing now than you had then. So that's a very weird flex. Uh, tweaked. You had a point. Yeah, that that was gonna be my point, really. I, I agree. It's a it's a a statement to the shareholders, so you want to say good things, but you can't flat out lie to them. And and saying that we have hundreds of thousands of people enjoying the game currently, mm. that that's a flat out lie. You can look at the Steam charts, and it's averaging between three and and five thousand every day again, and that's low. But, that that's way lower than it used to be. But, but you see, there are three kinds of lies. Lies, damned lies, and statistics. And you can make the numbers say what you want them to say by just changing the definitions. There you go. Uh, so those were some things uh, that, that were sort of whatever happening around the community. Also, uh, you know, uh, last week, you know, Salvation made some comments you know early in the week to galnet basically to get to a, a message to the players like hey man big you know shit is going to be popping off in um what was that uh um what was that system where salvation's like shit's going to be happening here and the people of that corvus or or corn corn star oh shit's gonna be happening and the people of cornstar was like what are you talking about everything's fine and then lo and behold come thursday you know they attacked cornstar i do want to make uh a, just a warning a general warning anyone who listens to us uh be very very careful if you decide to go do the rescues apparently this is a thing that people are passing on as a public service announcement don't go and do the rescues in cornstar if you or any of your family members or anyone that just happens to be you know, in the area of your computer when you're playing has epilepsy issues or whatever. Apparently there's some change with how they do the flashing lights or whatever that is causing some concern with regard to people that are sensitive to those like epilepsy triggers from the, the, the light flashes of certain colors or whatever. Um, that is something that I've heard secondhand, so it may not be accurate information, but I, I heard it, so I'm passing it on. Um, but so so in addition to that, 
now salvation is messaging people directly and saying like, hey, you did work for me before. Uh, why don't you sort of go to this location and do stuff and it's going to unlock special gauze cannons. And uh, the AXI, we have a link in the show notes uh, that I will share right now in the chat. The AXI actually has a page up that has, you know, the message direct, like the exact paste of the message from uh, Salvation and details with regard to, you know, if you go here, you can do this and you can unlock. And apparently it's going to be a new type of gauze weapon that is going to be available long term, not only unlockable via that event. Uh, that's according to uh, one of the CMs. Also, uh, you should be able to acquire as many as you want. Anyone should be able to, to, to participate and no set number to deliver per person. Can't give any more information out that would be spoilers. So that is all. All of that, including those one, two, three, four statements from a community manager for whatever it's worth, uh, pictures of their statements on the matter. Are, are there so yeah uh does anybody have anything they want to share on that i think you do uh tweet yeah double-edged sword for me on this one if you're a new player go go do it the burning stations rescuing the passengers it's a fun experience that being said if you're not a new player it's kind of like a yawn. I've seen this a couple thousand times over my time in the game. It's nothing new. However, the other side of this is Kornsar, that system that, that was attacked, is a mere 68 light years away from Opix's home system. And to my recollection, this is the closest that the bugs have ever attacked. So I, I, I maybe before my time, there was something closer Maybe they were closer to different parts of the bubble, but this is the closest they've ever come to my turf. And if they did something, it would be interesting. But again, I don't know that they will. Wolf. Yeah, actually, um, part of the you know little screenplay that they were running with the administrators at Cornsar uh, were like, "There's no way this is real. The bugs have never been this far." Ages can't see it. They, had, you know, bloody fucking blot. Like, yeah. Um, that's that's how we know that you're about to get your shit kicked in. Have a nice day. We'll come rescue your shit, and then Operation Idol will come rebuild your shit, and all will be good in the game. Um, I'm just really hoping that this new AXI weapon that supposedly we're gonna be able to purchase after the fact. Um is going to lead up to some much more interesting developments with the Thargoids, as that would be additions to possible more in-game parts of uh, the storyline of Elite. And that would be fantastic. Cool. All right, so moving past Elite, we've got real-life science, which is there. Real life science. All right, right off the bat, we're going to talk a little bit about Inspiration 4. So let's start off with showing you what that is, in case you don't know. 
reason I started SpaceX was to get humanity to Mars. We want to try to make the dream of space accessible to anyone, and ultimately making science fiction not fiction forever. What they're about to do will change the game entirely. Four civilians are going to space. They will orbit the Earth for three days on their own. You know my dream of always wanting to go to space. I wanted to let you know that I got selected. <laughs> they start telling me about this all civilian mission to space. How many astronauts are going? And that's when she said, none. Haley was diagnosed with bone cancer. I haven't died, and I'm not going to die. Having cancer made me who I am. My dream is to be a nurse. I'm getting to show them what their life can look like after cancer. If I can do it, you can definitely do it. I went upstairs after the phone call, though, and told my wife, I think I'm going to ride a rocket. And she just, what? I don't think I'll think about the worldly impact this mission is going to have until Chris is back on the ground. I'm like, why would they choose me? Look at that. But my dad had instilled this idea in me that I could do anything. I'm commander of Inspiration4. No matter what, I'm a father first. And that comes with a great deal of responsibility. What is the speed? You know, 25 times the speed of sound, or 17 and a half thousand miles an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's getting real. Our mission to space had to serve a bigger purpose, which is why it's a $200 million fundraising campaign for the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. There have been three black female American astronauts who have made it to space. I will be number four. Start thinking about what could happen and the risks that are involved. These people are you and me, and they will kick the doors open to space for the rest of us. This is where we're going to live for three days. Home sweet home. In the history of the human species, there have been under 500 people that have gone into space. Right now, there's seven and a half billion of us on this planet. This four people, this mission, these four people are the first to, as, as the uh, writer there for the New York Times uh, Space Desk said, they're kicking the door open for the rest of us. This is the future. Um, real quick, a couple of things just to sort of clarify and to bring up, and this is not in any way to disrespect Richard Branson or, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Jeff Bezos or, or, or the crews or the people that went up with them, uh, especially that beautiful gesture of taking Wally Funk up into space that we talked about back, back when it happened. But let's just get a couple facts out there. Branson took up uh, uh, several people along with a crew. There was a crew of two astronauts, two pilots for his space plane, and and like four or five people that sort of were were sort of rich tourists that went up as passengers on a flight that took them up for minutes into 
low and that's a whole there's a whole argument on you know because they went like 50 50 miles ish up and it's high enough up that according to the united states that's technically considered the boundary of space but everyone else on the planet says you got to go another 30 miles up to get there okay for minutes as passengers bezos took up again a crew of you know two uh astronauts and and then like four people uh who went up as passengers they had no sort of assigned crew responsibilities during the flight and they went up for you know whatever an hour or two um this is different for multiple reasons the first reason why this is different is these four people trained for a year and went up without any astronauts they went up they are the crew now let's be honest the dragon capsule is designed to more or less do most of the stuff that you need to do 99 percent of even whether it's astronauts or not 99 percent of the flight of dragon is all sort of done by the onboard computers and all, all the whatever but just like the astronauts, this crew of four had to train for what to do if shit goes sideways. They had to literally sort of, what if we lose communication and you have to manually enter whatever? What are the protocols for this maneuver? What are the protocols for this uh, uh, you know, contingency? Number two, they didn't go up for seven minutes or an hour. They've gone up. They're up in space right now. They went up on a three and a half day mission. They went up. They launched on Wednesday night. They went up again without astronauts by themselves. And they are up there as we speak. And they will be coming back Saturday. So tomorrow afternoon at like they're scheduled to splash, I think, 4 p.m. Pacific, so 7 p.m. Eastern, which would be 11 p.m. UTC-ish. Don't someone double-check my numbers, but, you know, I think it's around 4 p.m. Pacific that they were listed as a splashdown. Um, this is big, and this is big for a bunch of different reasons. Um, it It is very very interesting uh it this was paid for by the crew commander who is a billionaire but he said look i want to make this a part of something more than just billionaire goes into space so he number one put a a selection committee that he was not in any way a part of and they did not report to him at all uh in charge of picking who the people in the crew would be one uh and they literally had a, a mission a crew mission where they said we're going to have these pillars so we had one passenger one one crew member represented hope and that was the young lady who was a childhood cancer survivor uh who now works as a nurse at saint jude's where she was as a kid uh helping other uh, uh children with cancer um one person represented charity that was the dude who is like an aeronautical engineer. But the way that he got selected was they literally ran a commercial during the Super Bowl that said, hey, man, you could um, you, you could donate and everybody who donates will put your name into the hat. And then 
if you get picked, it's like a lottery. If you get picked, we'll interview you to see, you know, look at your this, that, and the other, and see if you are, you know, fit to be selected. And and he won based off of that. He literally didn't even tell his wife. He just threw a few bucks in the hat and then got picked and was like, holy shit, I got picked, and then had to break it to his wife. Hey, I'm going to ride a rocket. Uh, and then the last one was Cyan, who is... She is an incredible story. Um, she is a doctor. Uh, I think she's got her PhD in like mineralogy or geology or whatever. She's she is a doctor whose dad was uh, part of the the crew uh, for whatever radio control or whatever at Guam, who like was there like when whenever. You know the NASA missions, like the, the 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 Mercury and Gemini, and and eventually Apollo missions, were you know on the far side of the planet that they needed radio control. You know Houston couldn't get a hold of them. They needed somebody on the other side of the planet. They had two stations. They had one at Guam and one at uh, Perth. And uh, her dad worked at the one at Guam. And so like she grew up as part of sort of the space programs, part of the you know with a family that was immersed in that. And she always had a dream to be an astronaut. And, and this was a way for her to make that dream a reality. She made it all the way to the final selection process of, of actually being an astronaut like a decade or 15, 20 years ago, and just missed out at the last, like at the last level of the cutoff. And now she, you know, got in, she now, she now made it. So, Yes, this is funded by a billionaire. The taxpayers are not paying for it. Uh, but the billionaire isn't just doing this as a, hey, look at me. I'm going to call my, my, my fishing buddies and we're all going to go and party like rock stars. Like, no, no, this is a huge thing that's raising $200 million for St. Jude's uh, um, children's cancer research facilities and, and, and program and, and, and whatever. Uh, so it is a thoughtful sort of okay we're giving back to the community and we have a whole thing it is a very cool uh idea of of having people that represent these different groups you know uh cyan made the comment that she said you know this i think it she said you know there have been three african-american women astronauts now up, up up till the history of now this is uh this is number four i i am number four uh so that was that's 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 beautiful and and the other people and and all of the things that they represent and they bring to the project as well it's 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 just like this all the way through the group um a, a couple other things i want to bring up right now as we speak there are 14 people in space that's a record we have 14 human beings outside of the earth's atmosphere which is you know that that's the, this is the first time that that has been uh, uh, the case for any, you know, serious amount of time. Uh, I will make the point that like four of those people are Chinese, uh, uh, astronauts who are aboard the Chinese space station. Three of those people are Russian cosmonauts who are stationed aboard the ISS right now. Three of those people went up on a NASA crew, one of which is actually a JAXA the, the, right now, the current ISS commission commander is a JAXA astronaut, so a member of the Japanese Space Agency. 
who is uh, attached to the ISS as the commander currently, but went up on a NASA crew. And the last four are these civilian astronauts who are the first. Uh, you know, they're not passengers. They're actually working the ship and they're doing, they're actually doing tests and doing stuff while they're up there, which is kind of cool. This is the transition of us going from, you know, where we're at now to where we eventually end up in the expanse, you know, future scenario where there's all kinds of people up in space, not just, you know, Apollo and Mercury astronauts. And the last thing I will mention to bring up and before we kick it open to everybody for their thoughts on this is that um, of the 14 people that are currently in space, they all went up in four ships three of which are Dragon capsules, literally three of which were launched by SpaceX. The last one was sent up by the Chinese, but the Russian cosmonauts are up there on a, on a Dragon capsule that is docked with the ISS. The NASA crew is up there in a Dragon capsule that is docked with the ISS. And these four members of Inspiration4 are up there in a Dragon capsule. They're actually a couple hundred miles above the ISS in a high orbit, which is awesome. And you can watch the whole thing on Netflix. Um, they have like, it's a five episode limited series, uh, mini series. Four of ep episodes are already out now. And the last one comes out on September 30th. The show is amazing. And uh, Scott Manley does an amazing video where he talks about it. There's other videos where you can see their launch. They did an update today from space with their stuff. And you can watch their launch live or their, their uh, landing splashdown tomorrow live on, you know, YouTube and whatnot. So let's go around the horn. Let's start with Wolf. Go for it. Yeah, I, I saw that part of the video where... Uh... Chris was very surprised to find out he had been selected, and then he realized that, oh, I didn't talk to my wife about this at all. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that room. That would have been a great conversation to explain everything to her. Um, but the the real important part about this is that the the people that went up on this crew, like, they're... When you think of, okay, who becomes an astronaut? Well, if you want to fly the ship, you're going to have to be military and you go through all the different things you have to do for that and then you get selected for the astronaut corps blah blah like that that's that's a career choice and then the other one was to become a mission specialist which to my knowledge there hasn't been a single one of those that didn't hold multiple degrees um either you know PhDs masters whatnot like these these are not quote unquote regular people now the ones they chose aren't, you know, your 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 run of the mill person, but they're not that. And more importantly, they trained to be astronauts. They're not passengers. They're up there doing a job. Like that this is literally how you kick open the door for we're gonna have colonies happening. Colonies are gonna have to be manned by lots of high-end type people, but also lots of regular job type people that know how to do a certain trade so that you can make things work on the colony. 
this is just, this blows my mind. This is so fantastic, and this, this takes the dream for a lot of people of, I want to be an astronaut, to become something that is far more attainable in life and actually a no-shit goal that somebody could accomplish. And that that's just fantastic to me. Tweaked. Yeah, I watched this this morning, and I had much the same thoughts as Wolf. It, I, I've been following the space program literally my whole life, and pretty much everybody, with the exception of uh, Christy, uh, her last name's slipping my mind now. Christy McCullough? Yes, yes. Her, the, the, she was a teacher in like 1986 or so when the shuttle, Challenger shuttle exploded. She was, to my knowledge, the only civilian to train and go up. This is unprecedented. This is the first step, in my opinion, to becoming an actual spacefaring civilization. Uh, as Wolf said, when we start colonizing, and it will happen eventually, we're going to need people of all trades to go build and and be doctors and do this and do that. And it's all the astronauts that came prior were basically superhuman. They were the fittest of the fit, the smartest of the smart. And it basically meant that you and I were never going to be able to go to space. This changes that. This one woman had bone cancer in her knee when she was a, a kid. The other woman, I think she said she's 51, 52 years old. Yep. Uh, the, these are just everyday people that were picked for this program, trained, and they're going up and doing the hard work. This is, in my mind, this is groundbreaking and a huge step forward. Right on. Okay. Uh, Chad. Yeah. No one else could have pulled this off other than Elon. He has big balls of brass to even think about doing this, much less pulling it off. To go to launch a crew, no career astronauts. Uh, they're literally 300 miles above the Earth. And anything that goes wrong is up to them to fix it or it'll be a bad day. And if this was sideways, this would have been a very bad day for the space industry as a whole. But it looks like they're going to pull it off uh, with, you know, perfectly. And it'll show that space travel, even in low Earth orbit, can be safe. And it can be done with people who are not professional astronauts. Well, we definitely don't want to jinx it before Splashdown tomorrow. But, yeah, absolutely, fingers crossed that everything goes well with this. And so far, everything on the mission is on profile. So, excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, all right, let's move on to real life science. Oh, sorry. Space and sci-fi in the media. We have a very cool thing that I want to share right off the bat, which is foundation trailer, the third one. Now, for those of you who've been following along with us as we've been covering this this whole time, you know, next Friday is the first three episodes of foundation. And after that, it will go on one a week for seven weeks for the full 10 weeks of season one. They're already working on season two. I am excited as fuck. Check it out.
I was a child at the edge of the galaxy, I heard stories about a man who could forecast the future. But the story remained dark to me until many years later, until it became my story. Until it became the only story. You're familiar with my work, psychohistory? Every mathematician has read your theory. It's not a theory. It's the future of mankind expressed in numbers. And the Empire won't like the future I predict. History is littered with charlatans and false messiahs. We should kill them. We could murder the man, but what about the movement, brother? Martyrs tend to have a long half-life. His math was right. The Empire is dying. Wars will be endless. <laughs> thousand worlds reduced to cinders. Change is frightening. Especially to those in power. But we can soften the fall. So what's the plan? Many years from now, if humanity is to climb from the ashes, the coming generations will need the knowledge to build upon a foundation. We must preserve only the most essential pieces of civilization. Deciding what is remembered, what is forgotten. We are now staring down a barrel of a crisis. This is the plan. We're not turning around now. I can't wait for next Friday. The first three episodes. And I'm going to binge them like a junkie. Oh my god. <sighs> and yes, Jared Harris is in. So that's a guaranteed watch no matter what. And yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, real quick, I'm going to open this up. Just if you have something, dot up. If not, we're going to move on because we're... We're way, way late. Uh, Wolf, go. Yeah, um, Jared Harris is one of those actors that whatever role he is playing, he does a magnificent job in. And it, from the trailers, like, mm, this looks good. I'm going to watch it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch it. I cannot wait. I had a couple people now, since I've been hyping this, say, over the last month, like, yeah, oh, you're shilling for Apple now. No, I'm not. Pay for it. It's $5. Watch the show for the couple months that it's on, then cancel. If you have some deep emotional reason why you just, I, I don't know, just cannot stand Apple, then fuck Apple. Steal it. I'm not your dad. I don't care. I just love this story. This story has been one of my favorite 
stories this book series found the foundation book series and the whole harry selden stuff and then all the stuff that went with it has been one of my favorite things for my entire life and and it shaped much of what star wars is and it shaped much of what star trek was and it shaped much of all of science fiction i think like i said between the foundation series the rama series the civilization uh, or 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 uh uh with the culture series i'm sorry E&M Banks, I'm so sorry. Uh, like, there's a couple, you know, Rama, Foundation, Culture. There's a couple. There, there, there's a there's a handful of just these, just incredible off the charts, special things that are out there. And I get, I know people have been like, eh, I don't know, they're gonna ruin it. It's 2021, and everything's got to be done a certain way, and blah, 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 and everything sucks now. Okay, maybe whatever, but fuck you let me have this i'm just i'm excited let me have this maybe it's gonna suck but until now i like until next friday i don't know and for the, that trailer looks oh, fucking awesome that trailer makes my balls tingle like maybe it sucks when we get there and i won't know until we do but for now i'm excited and let me have this katie hop in um what Wolf said is like in this household, like well, Jared Harris is Will's favorite actor for sure, and I think he's fantastic and everything as well. I have not read the books; I've listened to the audiobook because um, I do lots of long hours of work, and it's good to have something to listen to when you're doing that. And the Foundation series audiobooks are amazing. Um, you have just convinced me to sign up specifically for this to, to see the series uh, i'll so. tell you right now here's what you do don't sign up for it until next saturday because apple likes to get you where they make it go just enough that you have to pay that extra month to get the last episode sign up on saturday and you'll get the first three episodes or sign up the following week and you'll catch the first four episodes because it's going to be three that drop next friday and then one the following friday and then six more after that but like do it that way because it'll be like you'll save a month whatever okay and, and while you're at it once you get apple tv if you're buying it legit you have to go back and watch katie for all mankind okay so this is what i was about to say like right two points here one i didn't realize it was that cheap like i i, I being apple i didn't look into it very much because i've got that we've got that in this house we watch netflix we watch amazon Mm. Um, you know, we we, got, we like our expanse. We like we like our office and mm-hmm. parks and rec and mm-hmm. the rest of development. You know, mm-hmm. um, I didn't realize that the Apple service was that cheap as well. And for all mankind, is a series that I've had my eye on for a very long mm. time that I have not seen. And and me and Will are always looking for things to watch. So that will be the next thing we watch. I think. I think also, not space related, but Ted Lasso is also on Apple TV, oh. and that's a great show as well. <laughs> so no, no, okay. If we're going to go through it, we're going to do it all. Okay. Foundation, yes, you got to. Uh, yeah. For All Mankind, yes, you got to. C, S-E-E, starring Jason Momoa. I There's going to be some people that love it. There's going to be some people that cannot watch it. Put in the first episode and finish it to the end. Don't watch the first five minutes because I, in the first five minutes, was like, I'm going to turn this off. But I was like, Jason Momoa, I'll wait and see. By the end of the first episode, after an hour in, I was like, all right, I'll see what the next one was. By the end of the second one, I was like, okay, I love this series. So 
For All Mankind and Foundation, 100%. Ted Lasso, 100%. C, 100%. And you have to watch Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest is a lampoon. It's a, it's a comedy where they're making... It's basically The Office, but if The Office was making an MMO, if they were making World of Warcraft. And I shit you not, three-quarters of the stuff that is in that show, uh, Mythic Quest, where they're just completely fucking up left, right, and center. I'm like, I was watching that when I was in the height of my actually being emotionally invested and angry at Frontier developments and i was like it's almost like the people who wrote this show are elite players who are pissed like there's so much inside shit there that is hilarious uh elix oh no no this isn't about this at the end of this segment hit me up not now all right uh seeing nothing else we're moving on uh tweaked you have a a a little book series to bring up and talk to us about go for it yeah um as everybody knows i'm a huge star wars not i have been since 1977 i've read all the books and for a while i was just looking for more star wars books and after you've read them all there's only they can only write them so fast so i was always looking for something to scratch that itch and i stumbled upon this series called galaxy's edge not to be confused with star wars's disney park uh, this series is written by Jason Anspach and Nick Cole, former military veterans. And let me read you the synopsis for the, for the first book. On the edge of the galaxy, a diplomatic mission to an alien planet takes a turn when the Legionnaires, an elite special fighting force, find themselves ambushed and stranded behind enemy lines. They struggle to survive under siege, waiting on a rescue that may never come. In the seedy starport of Akabar, a young girl searches the crime-ridden gutters to avenge her father's murder. Not far away, a double-dealing legionnaire turned smuggler hunts an epic payday. And somewhere along the outer galaxy, a mysterious bounty hunter lies in wait. Galaxy's Edge combines sleek starfighters, exotic aliens, loyal bots, blasters, scoundrels, heroes, and powerful enemies in a thrilling adventure that will take you back to that magic place from a long time ago. I am telling you guys, this series has ruined Star Wars for me. This series is so good. From all of season one, the twists and turns, and sure, there's a couple small throwbacks that basically pull right from Star Wars, but it's so good, I don't even care. And season two is just now getting going. There's the Savage War series, which is basically your prequels. It takes you back to the big wars that last a thousand years. There's the Bounty Hunter series that comes. There's the Order of the Centurion series. There's the Dark Ops series. They have created a very rich and vast universe to put these books in. And the combat is gritty. It feels real. These books are unlike anything I've read or listened to prior than. I actually, like you, Katie, I listen to the audiobooks. These are all available on Audible. Um, I can't suggest these books enough. They are absolutely spectacular. One after the next is just mind-blowing. And I can't, I can't, I no longer, I've got Star Wars books queued up that I've tried to listen to and I get bored and I go and I download the next Galaxy's Edge book. They are just that good. If you've never checked it out, I, I can't suggest it enough. They are a great series to dive into, and there's a ton of content there. So you're saying I should get into this? 
You would like it, I think, yes. But I wanted to go to Toshley Station and pick up power converters. <laughs> All right. Uh, Elix, hop in. We're ending this segment. Yeah, so for Star Citizen, we kind of missed this as it was happening in real time, but Ninetales is now active. Now, yep. unlike Xenothreat, this is a PvP dynamic event, so expect hostiles that are a bit smarter than maybe performance neutered ai yeah uh it it just popped up while we were in the frontier or the uh elite section but um yeah it Shout is out to ef crazy who mentioned it in the chat sorry to cut you off it is going on now and you guys heard my previous statements with regard to you know um xenothreat one versus xenothreat two and how how much better it was i think you're going to see nine tails two or or whatever this second it's not technically like the full-on second iteration but it's like the second evolution within the same iteration i think you're gonna see it be better and i think it's gonna go on it's gonna continue so yeah good stuff um that takes us to roy stories so we can close out the night hold on to your hats everybody we got roy stories We now return to Roy Stories Season 3, Tales from Tawanta, Episode 8, The Survivor. Which Head Sector, JHV C2-6, July 25th, 3305, 10.49 Galactic Standard Time. Jennifer Inc. sat at the fighter control station of the anaconda named Dreadnought. She liked the ship's name. It meant fear nothing. And while the last four days were hectic, she was starting to feel her old confidence again, putting the battle in Tawanta behind her. She and her crewmates were about to complete their final escort run to the Witchhead Sector, the last of twenty. They had been escorting three Lacon Type 9 transports, stuffed full of construction supplies, for a new space station there. Cheryl Orbital. One more jump, and they would complete the final delivery. It amazed her to see the station take shape over the past few days. Millions of tons of supplies had been hauled from the bubble, all to set up this enclave near the new source of the mysterious meta-alloys. In the twenty round trips that they had made, they had been attacked by pirates three times. They had successfully destroyed the pirates on all three occasions. Jennifer had impressed Captain de Batane, with her flying skills in the Taipan ship-launched fighter and her tactical knowledge and ability. On the last run, the pirate had been flying a Ferdelance heavy fighter and was maneuvering skillfully around the anaconda, pounding its shields. She had focused fire on the canopy, blinding the pirate with shield flare long enough for the captain and gunner, Paul Neuer, to land some plasma blasts from the anaconda's huge plasma accelerator, taking down its shields. She then concentrated on the FDL's drives, reducing its speed and maneuverability. Her crewmates made short work of it after that. They worked well together, and Jennifer was very glad that the captain had asked her to be a full member of the crew. Guliam, Paul, and Tatiana, the ship's engineer, were good people. She fit in with them, had fun, laughed, and they got the job done. She couldn't have asked for a better start to a new life. Ordinance laid in for Witchhead Sector, Hotel Whiskey, Tack Whiskey, Charlie One, Tack Nine. 
Guliam announced to the wing. Jump on my mark. Mark. The ships accelerated. Jennifer was pushed into her chair and heard the ship's covas announce. Frame ship drive charging. Four, three, two, one, engage. The ship was hurled into the witch space. They were making the last jump of this job. The last of about 600. Warning, hyperspace conduit unstable. The view outside took on an angry yellow tint, as if witch space itself had caught fire. They were thrown out of witch space and started spinning. The captain got things under control quickly, though. The three Type 9s were also getting their trajectories under control. Jennifer checked the tactical display. There were two of the large contacts, showing up as circles on her display. Unknown vessel. She targeted them, one after the other, and got garbage up on her display for both. Captain, we have two large unknown vessels closing in from the rear. Orders. The captain was just about to speak when the Kovas intoned, Energy surge detected. Jennifer felt a wave of energy pass through her. It was an unpleasant and unsettling experience. It felt like all her muscles had tensed slightly at exactly the same time, and as if her thoughts had paused for a fraction of a second. All the control panels and lights aboard the ship went dark. They were without power. She could see through the canopy that the Type 9s were suffering similar power outages. Motion in the corner of her eye caught her attention. She turned to see a huge craft drift past the bridge. It was shaped vaguely like a flower with eight huge petals. It had to be at least 150 meters across. It glided over one of the Type 9s. Its petals flashed green, and it fixed the immobilized craft in a yellowish-green beam of light. It didn't look to be causing any damage, so she assumed this was some form of detailed scan. The glare of a second yellow-green beam told her that the second alien vessel was doing the same thing to the other Type 9s. The petals on the alien ships glowed red, and they started to deploy a swarm of smaller craft. The power came back on in Dreadnought just as the alien vessels started opening fire. Jennifer, get a fighter out there and distract them. Paul, deploy hard points and switch the experimental fire group. The dumb fire missile controls will get their attention and give the transports a chance to jump out. The ship launched fighter telepresence kicked in. Jennifer's consciousness was transported into the Taipan fighter. She aimed the fighter directly at the nearest alien ship and fired a salvo's plasma repeater rounds into it. It continued pummeling the Type 9. The swarm of smaller ships turned to face her. They took on a spiral pattern, eight curved arms, with each one containing four ships. The pattern tightened, forming into a cone pointing directly at the Taipan. Then the little ship started firing. The Taipan was reduced to a cloud of debris in seconds by a stream of green plasma bolts. Her consciousness was back on the bridge. It would be 30 seconds before another fighter would be ready. So she focused on analyzing the tactical data she could gather. She saw the swarm continue their path to Dreadnought, their plasma bolts doing significant damage to shields. One of the large alien ships, with one of its petals glowing a bright orange, was also firing plasma bolts at the ship. Worse than that, some were bleeding through to the hull, and much of it was hitting the canopy. She could have sworn she heard the sound of hairline cracks propagating through the glass. Then the Kovas announced, Incoming missile detected. A portion of the swarm had accelerated and was dive-bombing the bridge. They slammed into the canopy, shattered, decapitating the captain in the process. Her Remlock helmet deployed. She glanced across and saw Paul's head too. She quickly took stock of the situation. One of the Type 9s was destroyed. One looked crippled. 
but the third had managed to make its jump. This battle was lost, and if they didn't get out of here soon, they too would be destroyed. She took control of the helm. All still weapons, we're getting out of here. There's nothing we can do for the ship still here. We're completely outmatched. Staying would be suicide. Reluctantly, he did. Jennifer engaged the FSD, launched a heatsink, and used every evasive maneuver that she knew. The shields failed just as the ship jumped. She held her breath for 10 seconds while they were in which space. They had survived. Jennifer steered the ship towards Sher Orbital. The ship was badly damaged, with less than 40% hull integrity. Multiple internal modules had taken damage. Her life support had less than seven minutes of oxygen left. Fighting panic, she dropped the ship out of supercruise 10 kilometers from the station on the rear side. She took the ship on a path around the station, lined up with the mail slot, and requested docking permission. Flight operations had just granted her permission, and four circles appeared in a tactical display. Jennifer gunned the throttle forward and sped through the mail slot. She had just pointed the ship's nose towards the assigned landing pad when the shutdown pulse hit the station. The ship lost all power, and it drifted at 90 meters per second toward the landing pad. It hit nose first with the groan of tortured metal, and the ship cartwheeled off the pad, hitting the buildings just beyond. Hull integrity critical. Cher Orbital Rescue Ship, which head sector? HWW C1-9. August 1st, 33.05. 8.05, Galactic Standard Time. Jennifer woke up in a bright room, smelling of disinfectant. She tried to sit up. Relax, it's okay. You're safe. You're in the medical bay of a rescue ship. You've been out cold for a few days, but you're going to make a full recovery. You and two of your crewmates are rescued from Cheryl Orbital by Commander Soupdog of the Burpet Squadron. I heard that this is the second escape pod you've been in the past two weeks. You're one hell of a survivor, lady. Stories episode 308, season three, episode eight. That is legit. I'm gonna crack open a Cinco Estrellas Majao from Cerveza Premium from Madrid to that. Um, that takes us to the end of the night. It's we're, we've had a long episode, but who are we kidding? This is how we go now. Um, let's go around everybody in the panel. Give them a chance to give their closing thoughts and say goodnight to the beautiful people. Uh, also, just as you know how we do, as soon as the show is done, as soon as the, the closing song ends, we will be uh, in the general chat so people can pop in and, you know, say hello and whatnot and chat with us. If you have something you want to add to the whole sort of conversation, do it. Let's let's keep this party rolling. Start off with Chad. Say goodnight to the beautiful people and any closing thoughts you got? Good night, beautiful people. And this is my first podcast and it was lots of fun. And maybe I'll do it again sometime. Hell yeah. All right. Cool. Maybe we can afford you. We'll see. We'll have to have our people call your people. We'll get in touch. Uh Katie. I have had a lovely time. I would like to thank Chad and Elix for coming on. They were absolutely outstanding guests. 
Um, it's been an amazing show. Had a great time. Hope you guys have too. Uh, it's like four in the morning for me, so I will be going <laughs> to bed straight after this. But yeah, amazing show. Oh Thanks, yeah, guys. Right on. And uh, next up is Wolf. Hello, everyone. I am so glad you joined us for this show. It is always a pleasure to have you here, and I hope we were entertaining. Everyone have a great evening. Elix. So, yeah. Thank you for coming to the show, everybody. It's been great being on tonight. And uh, I just want to remind you, you know, the devs are usually trying their best to make the best game they can for you. Is management who are the dicks that are getting in the way of that game being or being delivered to you? Absolutely. So, you know, remember that when you're criticizing, say, the entire company in public. You know, just you might want to be specific about whose fault you think it is. Anyway, have a good night, everybody. Good point. Tweet. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us tonight. I hope we had some fun. Hope you had some fun. I know we did. I will see everybody in the various verses and nanu nanu. Nanu nanu. And I'm um batting clean up on this one. So right off the bat I wanna say uh listen to Bill and Ted. Be excellent to each other. Um take the opportunity to take the opportunity to be better if you can. Try. I am failing quite often but still trying um and the last thing i will say is lots of changes are coming to multiple games specifically this week star citizen but you know here and there elite and and nomansky and, and new world and this one and that one and 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 whatever and you know like try to not hold on too tight try to let things change hopefully it'll be good uh provide feedback but do it respectfully where you can and if you get to a point where you just can't and you need to walk away then walk away go play another game come back maybe in a month or two or six that project that once gave you joy will give you joy yet again i love all of y'all i hope to see you in the chat soon uh like in three four minutes up in the general chat uh we will post during the closing song the link in the discord again the theme of the night is ch 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 changes so enjoy <laughs> Ch-ch-ch-changes time In fact
Thank you.